Good morning, everybody. I don't know how many people are actually here. Ooh, there's a whopping 10 watching right now. James Breeden, blessings. Tommy Rogers, welcome. All right, well, I'm doing this uh, sort of on an off time because we are stuck down south in, uh, in Wisconsin here. Oh, my God, what's going on here? Ooh, I'm sort of glitching, aren't I? Glitching? Okay, no, it looks like we're good. All right, welcome. Yeah, the Wiener won't be able. So you like that intro, right? Okay, so today we're going to talk about, I was going to do this on Sunday, but because we're stuck down south and this is going to be sort of a long live stream, I'm going to cover the Mandela effect today or what people believe to be some sort of effect in which there's timelines that are shifting or there's the devil or God is changing letters and that sort of stuff. So we're going to try to cover the Mandela effect today. And the reason I'm doing this is because there's a lot of people that are um, questioning Mandela effects in the Bible. And so that's one of the things that we're going to cover today. We'll cover it at the end of this live stream. But so the first thing I'm going to do is basically talk about what the Mandela effect is, um, what people believe it is, um, the issues with memory and memory recall and that sort of stuff. We're going to we're going to tackle some of the well-known Mandela effects and give you an absolutely rational, reasonable explanation. And then at the end, we're going to talk about all the Bible Mandela effects, the alleged Bible Mandela effects, okay? So, um, and the reason I'm doing this too is because I was actually, you can all hear me, right? Yes, okay. Um, I was actually put, I've actually put this uh, live stream like this together maybe a year and a half ago or something like that when I was still in Hawaii. And then uh, I was just going to address all the Mandela effects and basically what people think they are and that sort of stuff and really just give you, once again, a really common sense understanding of what's going on. And so I put this whole live stream together and then I just I, I, I wasn't going to do it because I realized there's there's uh, what you'll find is that a lot of people that wholeheartedly believe and promote in the Mandela, you know, promote the Mandela effect they don't want to actually hear contrary evidence. They just don't. They, 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 they like the Mandela effect for some reason or something like that. And there's actually, like I said, lots of rational reasons for you know, why, why this is occurring. And it is, a, it, it is a phenomenon. That's not what I'm saying. There is a phenomenon happening, right? But it's not what people think. And so a lot of the things that people think are Mandela effects are provably not. Provably. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to go through a bunch of these and show you that what you think is a Mandela effect is absolutely not. And we're also going to learn a lot today about how your brain works, okay? Um, and that seems to be the one conversation that everybody wants to just sort of uh, overlook, okay? So we're going to tackle all of these things today. I'm going to hopefully do it justice anyway. So this is uh, episode 13 of the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. Not a Sunday service. It's Thursday here, Thursday morning. Good in, in good old Wisco. 
The Mandela effect in the Bible. Are there Mandela effects in the Bible? That's what we're going to look today. We're going to look at today. So this was prompted by a bu- actually a bunch of different things. One of the things was um, I watched um, Alpha Vedic and Brian Stavely was on and he was talking about the Mandela effect and he was it was about a two hour show and he was you know he's he's really passionate about it and things like that and he's claiming all of these things are Mandela effects right like one after another he just throws them out as if they're all true. And we're going to go and really, once again, with a fine-tooth comb, surgically go into a lot of these. Now, this is no offense against, um, like, Alpha Vedic or, or Brian Stavely or anything like that. I freaking love the Alpha Vedic guys. And I think it's, you know, I mean, I have crazy amounts of respect for Mike and, and the, the good doctor over there. He's not a doctor. Doctor. That's a... <laughs> that's like a that's like a curse word anymore, right? That the, Dr. Bear's a freaking wizard. That's what he is. So crazy amounts of respect for the Alpha Beta guys. And and I met Brian at the um, Flattoberfest, and he's a really nice guy. In fact, I would say Brian's a nicer guy than I am. So um, no offense to any of these guys. I actually think it's really. As truth seekers, as people that are trying to figure out what's going on in the world, it's actually imperative that we research this stuff and actually give it its due, uh, you know, d- you know, put our due diligence in it and actually consider these things deeply. It's very important to do so. But it's also very important to when we can prove that so many of these are incorrect that we also do that as well, okay? So as I said I planned this a long time ago, and then I just I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do this because I I realized that so many people don't want to hear it. They actually like the Mandela effect, and they don't want to hear contrary, um, you know, explanations. And um, and the other thing that's happened over the time, the reason I'm doing this is that I've been wholeheartedly attacked, like I'm some sort of personally. Like I'm some sort of idiot because I don't believe this, right? And so um, we're going to clear up a lot of them today, and we're going to clear up a bunch in the Bible, okay? Because the Bible ones to me are, um, the ones that are being claimed that are in the Bible have an absolutely rational explanation, and we're going to go through them today. So so uh, much love to Brian, much love to the Alpha Vedic guys. I mean, I, once again, if you guys don't aren't subscribed to Alpha Vedic, go. It's one of my favorite podcasts, Um so there's that. So, but we, I had, um, in fact, this was, uh, you know, ir- uh, regardless or irrespective or whatever of some of the comments I got on the last live stream I did. Um, I've been getting this over the years where people will write me and say, oh no, Genesis 1 1 always said heavens and now it says heaven. We're going to cover that today. And I wrote, and I'm, I'm, this was, you know, I'd had several people say this to me. And I just wrote them back and I asked them one question. And we'll cover this today. And then they went scurrying. But they got all mad at me because I didn't believe it. Okay? So this was prompted by the fact that last live stream I did the Lord's Prayer as it's read in Matthew 6, 9 in the King James Version. Like I said, we'll cover this at the end of the live stream. And immediately I got some comments from um, some of the followers here. Um, And much love to these people. I'm actually glad that they're making these comments because it helps me... um, figure out some of the topics that I might need to cover and some of the things that are misconstrued that we can actually set people straight on. So, uh, you know, immediately we had, oh no, it's always been trespasses, uh, Virginia Dare, once once again, not calling any of these people out, much love to all these people, um, you know, uh, but Virginia Dare here says, no, the Lord's Prayer was always trespasses, now they act like it was a special Catholic prayer. And we're going to go into this today and actually show you exactly where the Lord's Prayer comes from. We're going to decipher every single bit of this. 
And hopefully at the end of this, I'll, I'll help you learn how to think. That's what we're going to do. I'm going to try to help you establish your critical thinking skills and your discernment today. Okay? That's what we're going to do. So a lot of people saying, yes, it's, no, it was the lion and the lamb. It was Isaiah 11, 6. It's, uh, two or more gathered. It's, it's actually two or three. These are all Mandela effects. And we're going to cover every single one of these today at the end of the live stream. Okay? So, and show you what's actually going on. So what is the, um, you're all with me here, right? It's going to be a long one. Yeah, Remy. Hey, Remy. Yeah, no offense taken, bro. Oh, good, good. You still have my support, yeah. And hopefully at the end of this, you'll, um, once again, it, you, it'll help you with your discernment skills because this is a great topic in which to discuss how the brain works, how we form memories, what we, uh, how, 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 especially how people in the truth community or whatever, uh, well, we'll get into it. I don't want to speak too much. Let's go. We'll, we'll go with the slides here, okay? So, uh, it's probably going to be a two-hour live stream because we're going to cover a lot today. We're going to cover the Ed McMahon one. We're going to cover the, you know, the Ed, uh, anatomy one. And, and if you want to know, um, um, like a whole a good list of the alleged, uh, you know, Mandela effects, Brian Stavely's Alpha Vedic is actually a good show because he rattles off a bunch of these, and we're just going to hit, uh, you know, one after another and show how it's a lot of this is absolute nonsense, provable. 100% verifiable nonsense, okay? Um, and I'm not going to obviously make some friends today because lots of people, like I said, love the Mandela effect, you know? And like I said, no offense to Brian. He's, I know he's friends with Karen B. And you know, like I said, I met Brian. I love Karen B. That woman is fantastic, you know? Um, so much love to everybody here. But so what is the Mandela effect? Of course, it comes from Nelson Mandela. A lot of people distinctly remember him dying in allegedly 2013, and no, he didn't die. He was, you know, et cetera, et cetera. This is essentially where it stems from, so hence Mandela. Um, now, as you'll see that the Mandela effect is entirely based, completely and entirely based off what people remember, okay? So that's the first thing. The entire thing is like, well, I remember this differently, and we collectively remember it differently. Therefore, there's been a time shift. There's, there's been a, a split of worlds. There's, Satan's come in and changed letters, or God's messing with us, or whatever the explanation is. The one thing you'll find is that we have an effect, but, you know, you know what's the cause, right? I mean, this is, a, this is a basic question in critical analysis that people seem to be forgetting. And now it doesn't mean just because you don't have a cause or we don't know the cause doesn't mean that there is an effect is there isn't an effect happening. You, okay, that's fine. But you still, if you're going to do proper you know scientific protocols, you still have to understand what the cause is. Well, what we're going to find out today is the cause is your brain. Okay, that's the cause. It's not that there's letters being shifted and things like that. What we're going to find out today is your memory sucks, provably. Okay. Singularly, our memory sucks, and collectively, our memory sucks. Okay. And what we're going to find is, once again, this is no offense to anybody that's considered the Mandela effect or thinks it's interesting or finds some of them interesting or is, you know, researching the Mandela effect or is like, you know, like the Alpha Beta guys here. Like, you know, they're just like, hey, well, let's talk about this. Let's have somebody on. Let's, you know, let's go through it. This is important to do. Okay, but what I am addressing is the people here that wholeheartedly believe it, promote it as if it's an absolute fact, and then actually cut down people because they don't believe it, right? And what the Mandela effect actually does is exposes how terrible people's critical thinking skills and research is, okay? 
Um, now, it, save for the Mandela effect, if we were not talking about the Mandela effect, we could talk about a whole nother thing. We could talk about a whole, you know, a, a whole nother topic. And this would still be true because as I've come to find over the years that people's research, when it comes down to it, they spend most of the time just watching YouTube or just watching a video and then that's their sort of research. And they don't really actually go and double check things or you know go into the literature or look at that sort of stuff. They don't do that. Most, even like most truth seekers don't do that. So um, this is really the Mandela effect exposes how bad people's critical thinking skills is. And I know I'm not making any friends here today, but it's just the fact, you know? Um, uh, and I'm gonna bring this up several times. We could put we could put right here, forget about the Mandela effect, throw throw in there what the what Freemasonry does is it exposes how terrible people's critical thinking skills and research is. You could say the same thing. Okay? Because people will say, well, Masonry, that's all the devil worshippers and that's all a big conspiracy and they're all working with the New World Order and it's all this blah, 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 right? And actually, if you study it, it's none of those things at all. But people don't want to hear that because people don't want to actually do the research. What you'll find is, and I found this over the years, once again, irrespective of the Mandela effect, you could we could be talking about a whole host of topics, is that people, and I've, this is a whole phenomenon within the truth or community, that people like answers for the mysteries, for these, these questions, these mysteries, these things we don't understand, they like the answers or the conclusions to be sexy. That's what they like. They seek, they seek out fantastical, out-of-this-world, supernatural, sexy answers, right? So instead of saying, for instance, masonry, people will say, well, that's where the devil worshippers are. They all have the secrets. They're all anti-Christ. They're running the world. They're all working together. This is what you'll hear again and 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 again throughout the truth or community. But if you actually told them what it really is, well, it's actually a science of morality veiled in allegory and illustrated in symbols. Just like I've said for over many, many years after studying it intensely for 10 years, 10, 11 years, whatever it's been now. Um, that's what you'll find if you read the literature, if you talk to Masons, if you, 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 you go in and pour over the, the volumes and volumes of literature on Masonry. That's what you'll find. But you know who does that research? Literally nobody. As I've come to find over the years, nobody. Nobody second guesses themselves. No one challenges themselves. No one says, well, maybe I'm just dead wrong about that. Why? Because they already have an answer that fits in their head. Oh, I already know. You don't need to tell me, Marty. That's where the devil worshippers are. It's a fantastical. It's a sexy. It's an out of this world, you know, this sort of explanation. And it fits and it's like, okay, that's what it is. And we're going to find that that's nonsense, you know, um, we have to really use common sense in our um, critical thinking skills to get to the bottom of these things. And as I've found over the years, once again, irrespective of the Mandela effect, that's just what happens. You know, people like the answers to be sexy, okay? And that's exactly what the Mandela effect is. It's sexy. It's like, oh, it's this supernatural thing and we don't know what the effect is and it's, you know, Satan coming in and manipulating, changing the Bible and manipulating timelines and things like that. All sorts of explanations for what the effect is, but nothing substantial, nothing that can be proven at all. And what we can do is prove that a lot of the Mandela effects that people believe absolutely are Mandela effects are provable, provable nonsense. And we're going to go specifically into a bunch of them today and then go into the biblical ones, okay? And um, we're going to use analytical thinking on this, okay? 
So the first thing that people will do is completely, um, first thing we're going to talk about is how the brain works and how, and, and actual um, research skills that you need to adopt in your life in order to get to the bottom of mysteries, really. So one of the things you have to adopt is what's known as the principle of parsimony, or it's called the economy or law of parsimony, the Occam's razor. Um, and, you know, it's Occam's razor is also spelled Occam's, right, razor. Um, and it's a principle stated that scholastic philosopher William Occam, that pluralities, you know, basically pr plurality should not be positive, excuse me, plurality should not be positive without necessity. In other words, if there's a simple answer for a, for a phenomenon, you don't need to bring in all of these different varying, you know, uh, explanations to throw on it when a simple one will work. In other words, the Occam's razor can be basically, you know, distilled down to this. The simpler answer is always going to be the right one for the most part. That's what it is. Okay. Now the answer to the, the Mandela effect is actually really simple. Right? And we're going to discover this today. Your memory sucks, provably. Okay? So, and so, but the simple answer is that. Our singularly, our memories are terrible, and collectively, our memories are terrible. Okay? But people don't like that answer. So, we all know of the game of telephone. We learned this as children. This is one of the things you learn like in, you know, preschool or high school or not high school, but, you know, middle school or whatever. You know, whatever. We, we learn this young, you know, one person you tell a story in his ear and it could be like literally two sentences. Right. And then this person would tell this person and then this person would tell this person and this person would tell this person. And by the time it got to the 23rd person or whatever it is, the story was nothing like it was in the beginning. And this is happening all in about a five-minute segment, right? So some of the most important lessons that we learn in life are taught to us early on. For example, I'm sure most of you can remember playing the game of Chinese whispers, or it's called the telephone game. In a game, a message is given to the first person in a line. By the time it gets to the end, it's, it's you know, in most cases, the message that is announced to the group is significantly, significantly different from the message that was originally given to the first person in line. Okay, this is something that we learned as children. Your memory's terrible. You can literally be told something right in, in, a, in a five minute span from one person to one person to one person to one person to one person, and then you actually get the story at the end. And it's like, wait, what? How did that happen? Okay, we also know that our memories um, are, and this is something I learned once again before I was like a truth seeker or any of this sort of stuff. I, you know, I went to a year and a half of college and I learned this stuff in Psychology 101. It's one of the first things that we were, we were taught is that your, your memories got awful. Research has found that eyewitness identification testimony can be very unreliable, okay? Um, and there's actually a bunch of studies on this um, and it, it's basically known that memory can be easily distorted, corrupted, or otherwise altered, whether intentionally or unintentionally. As such, while we can rely on memory for the most part in our daily lives to basically function, when it comes to actually being a reliable source of information, it's not, okay? One of the things, uh, one of the stats, and, you know, the, the stats are, you know, pretty close with a lot of this stuff, too, uh, when it comes to eyewitness testimony. So here you have people that watched a murder firsthand or, or, a, or a, a huge crime or something like that, and they were brought into court and they put their hand on a Bible and they're like, this is what I saw, Right? Of these, so here, this is according to the Innocence Project, and this is just one stat. There's a bunch of stats that you can find. Um, 
So here they've, they've convicted somebody with DNA evidence, right? Or they, they were, excuse me, they convicted somebody and then later found a DNA evidence that they've been exonerated. And a lot of these people were claiming that they were, they were, you know, I'm innocent. I'm, I'm not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. They were screaming it and that sort of thing. And then there's like, no, well, we have eyewitness testimony. And then they spent years in prison only to be exonerated later. Of these, listen to this. Of these, 71% of people had been convicted through eyewitness misidentification and had served an average of 14 years in prison before exonerated. Think about that. So 71%, that's three-quarter. That's almost three-quarter. Think about that. Of those false identifications, listen to this one, 41% involved cross-racial misidentifications. That guy was black. No, he was actually Mexican. <laughs> So 75%, 71% misidentification. In other words, I was there. I absolutely saw it. I'm so, I'm so positive that I'm going to go and I'm, you know, be subpoenaed in court and I'm going to go up and I'm going to give my testimony and this is going to convict this person. And guess what? It was completely inaccurate. What your brain does is actually, we are, we are constantly fed every single day, billions and billions of bits of information. There's no way your brain can remember all that stuff. So what it does is your brain, and once again, I'll show you this in just a second, will actually take bits and pieces and piece together what, what you remember. Now we, especially before the internet, you know, uh, you know, this this happened all the time where you would you would uh, remember something. Oh, absolutely, and everybody remembers it incorrectly. And then we go back. It's like, well, no, that's not true at all. Because back before the internet, no one had these little tools that we could go and just double check something right away, right? So you'd have basically a meme created. A meme actually comes from memory, by the way, mem. So a meme is created. It's repeated. Everybody thinks that that's what's true. And then when you actually go and do any analysis on it. It's like, well, no, that's not true at all. The other thing you'll find out is that how many people before the Mandela effect, this, this whole idea came about, actually went and double-checked any of the things that they remembered. Like, no, I totally remember Field of Dreams. It was, uh, if, if you build it, they will come. I absolutely remember that. Well, before the Mandela effect ever showed up, did anyone even double-check that? No. Okay? So... This is actually how your brain works. Your brain is assembling memories from bits and pieces of past experiences. And then it creates a little narrative in your head. Like, this is what happened. Okay? Um, and there's all sorts of all sorts of aspects of memory. Like, um, there's, like, topographical memory. There's, like, geographical memory. There's, um, you know, there's long-term memory. There's short-term memory. There's all these sorts of different aspects of your memory and, you know, at the end of the day, it's a really complex sort of thing. And what we tend to do is distill it, simplify it into something that is palatable to us. Okay? So, once again, memories are terrible. I did the, once, this, is, uh, this is one I talked about where I was on a live stream and I was like, yeah, I remember the time that um, I, I was, you know, when I was young, I was about 14, 15 years old. I don't even remember because it was that long ago. Um, where I broke my leg. And I was telling this story on a live stream. I was like, yeah, I was riding up Twining Park and I remember I had Gerard Ferris's uh, bicycle that, that he sold me uh, or that we built together. Don't even remember. Um, and, I was and I was riding up this bicycle right from, from Twining Park and I had a backpack on and I had it slung on my shoulder. And then I went like this and I fell over and I broke my leg. Now, the reason I remember br breaking my leg is um, not because of the cast or all the people at school that signed it. Um, I barely remember that, but I do remember the pain 
of me having to bicycle, you know, my, I, basically after I broke my leg, I got back on my bike and I used my right leg to pedal all the way up a hill, down another hill, all the way up a hill and all the way home. And then I, and as soon as I got to the home, I, you know, my front lawn, I got out and I started screaming. I was like, mom, mom, right? And then of course they went and they took me to the hospital and I, you know, got my leg, you know, in a cast and all this other stuff. And I was telling this story on a live stream and my parents were, my mom was listening. And then she's, after the live stream, I talked to her and she's like, uh, I don't, I, we don't remember that at all. My mother and father don't remember it at all. Now, it's not because my mother and father are awful people or anything like that. They're wonderful human beings. But here their, their son broke their leg, and it was a completely traumatic experience for me because I had a bicycle home, so I remember it very clearly, and they don't remember it at all. Their son broke their leg, and they were like, whoops. I just asked them uh, the other night, I was like, I literally, and people experience this all the time. It was like, oh, remember when we went to that concert? It was like the, whatever. It was like, you know, we, we, went, we went and saw Robert Plant and Jimmy Page when they went back on tour. And that was, what, what was that, 2011? Was it 2010? I said this the other, we do this all the time. I said this the other day. I was like, because I honestly didn't remember. I was like, hey, I went to Europe with a couple of my friends. And we went to Europe for 48 days. And I was with two, a couple of my two, you know, we went with three guys, two of my really good friends, you know, at the time. Had a wonderful time. I couldn't even remember what year it was. I was like, I know it was after 2001 because it was after the whole 9-11 thing. But was it 2002, 2003? I don't remember. It's 20 years ago. Okay. Um, another thing that your brain will do, and once again, this, you'll learn this stuff in Psych 101. You really will. Uh, serial position effect is the tendency of a person to recall the first and last items of a series and the middle items worse. So you'll hear a, a sentence or two or something like that and you're like, oh, what was that? It was like, I don't, I don't know. It was like the beginning and the end and then the, the, the middle is a little fuzzy or you might remember a little bits here. And so what do you do? You'll read something and that's your experience or you'll be told a sentence and then you'll be like, oh, okay. And then what actually happens? Well, you don't remember all of that. So your memory actually gets bits and pieces together, puts it into something that's palatable, and that's what you remember. That's what you recall. That becomes concretized and solidified in your head. Okay. There's another thing called conceptual combination. And there's a bunch of psychological or you know things when it comes to your memory, terms and things like that that um, you can address that you know actually show you what's going on with your head. Um, this isn't exactly, um, well, we'll just say it here. Con conceptual combination is a fundamental cognitive process by which two or more existing basic concepts are mentally synthesized to generate a composite, okay? So a composite slash higher order concept, okay? This is just one explanation. But basically what it's saying is that it's taking two things, putting them together in your head, simplifying it because that's what your brain does. Um, and we'll talk about this when we get to um, Isaiah eleven six. This will this will be fun today. Okay, so so people will say, uh, "Oh, the lion lays down with the lamb." I know that's what it said. And if you and if you say that, "Oh, well, that's not that's what I remember." That's what everybody remembers, right? Okay. So my question to those people were like, "Okay, so before you say what lays down with the lamb, most people will say the lion." Right? The lion lays down with the lamb. That's absolutely what Isaiah 11, 6 says. And we'll cover this again towards the end of the live stream. That's absolutely what 11, Isaiah 11, 6 says. In fact, with Brian Stavely at the Flattoberfest, 
somebody came up and asked this question because I was talking about the Bible and somebody said, came up and they were just absolutely convinced of the, of the Mandela effect. There was nothing I was going to say to them that was going to change their mind. And, they're, and they came up to me as if it was just a fact. Well, what about all the supernatural changes in the Bible? Right? And then she goes, Isaiah eleven six. the lion lays down with what? Or the, what lays down with the lamb? Right? And I said wolf, of course, because I knew it. Whatever. You know. But um, she was just once again convinced. Right? Lion lays down with the lamb. And so my question back to the people from now on, when somebody has asked this question, it's like, oh, the lion lays down with the lamb. I know that's what it said. I know it's what it said. Right? Okay. The next thing I want you to do is ask this person, before you ask, what lays down with the lamb? Do this for me. Recite Isaiah 11.6 for me. Recite Isaiah 11.6 for me. Do you know how many people are going to be able to recite the entire verse of 11, Isaiah 11.6? Do you know how many people are going to be able to do that? Exactly zero. Nobody. Try it. Here's another, here's another one. Ask a majority of people to, to recite verbatim pretty much any verse in the Bible. Now, you might be able to get people that say, well, uh, you know, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, you know, that sort of thing. You might get a few there. But when it comes to obscure verses like 11 Isaiah 6, do you know how many people are going to be able to recite it? Exactly zero. Here's another question. Ask somebody, recite any verse from Isaiah. The entire chapter. Do you know how many people are going to be able to do that? Exactly zero. Zero. So, in other words, we all collectively remember something incorrectly we couldn't recite or remember in the first place. Once again, asking a basic question about a phenomenon will get to the heart of the issue. The other issue that we're going to find is, do you know how many different Bible translations there are? You know how many? We're going to cover it today. So, so when we look at the Mandela effect... This is more in line with the psychological phenomenon of a conceptual combination or the serial position effect. You're taking bits and pieces, the beginning and what you remember, placing it in your head, and we do this collectively and singularly. And then that's what people remember. That's what gets concretized in their brain. There's like, that's, I know that's what it said. Really? My parents couldn't even remember if I broke my freaking leg. I couldn't tell you when I went to Europe for 48 days and had the time of my life, right? So... You know, we get these bits and pieces of something at the beginning and the end, and then we piece them together, and that becomes our memory, right? And that becomes concretized. And we do this all the time as humans. We do it all the time. Now, everybody that is absolutely just 100%, this Mandela effect is true, they never talk about this. Or, they, or if they do, they just blow it off. No, this is a serious phenomenon that is verifiable, okay? And it's something I learned in Psychology 101. So, just this morning... Um, we had a, it was perfectly green out yesterday and this morning we woke up and there's an inch or two of snow outside, right? And so as I was getting ready to do this, yeah, <clears throat> this isn't about memory, asked Patty Hurst. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, all right, we'll get to this today. I will say this. If, if, if you watch this entire live stream and at the end of this entire live stream, you're absolutely still like, you know, a Mandela effect is true and blah, 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 blah. This is probably not the channel for you because in this channel, we actually are trying to develop our critical thinking skills. Okay. And I'm not trying to come down on anybody, but, um, my mom said this this morning, I swear to God, swear to God, 
it, it was green. It, it was literally, the, we were starting to see the green grass, you know, outside. And this morning we woke up and it was a snowy mess. And my mom said this. So Isaiah eleven six. You guys know Isaiah eleven six. Once again, we'll cover this towards the end of the live stream again. But Isaiah eleven six. Everybody remembers it as what, right? Well, the the wolf. Or no, the lion shall also lay down with the lamb, and the leopard shall, you know, the lion shall lay down with the lamb. And it's not what it says. It says the wolf, right? Well, do you know what my mom said today, this morning? She said, uh, it's an old adage. And just as I was getting ready to do this, I swear to God, it's synchronicity. It was crazy synchronicity. She's like, well, you know what they say? It's uh, in like a lion, out like a lamb. March, you know? Spring, it's in like a lion, out like a lamb, right? This During March. Uh, March is in like a lion and out like a lamb. And so uh, it's an old adage. March is in like a lion and out like a lamb. Uh, it's in like a lion and out like a lamb. So in other words, no one could recite Isaiah 11.6. Not a single person. Try it. Try it. I, I, I guarantee 100% of the time, Unless somebody's actually remembered it because of the Mandela effect. Now, that might be a different story. But if you just went and asked literally anybody in any church, recite Isaiah 11.6 for me. You know how many people are going to be able to do it? None. Why do we remember this? Well, because it's an old adage. That's why your brain is associating lion and lamb. This is, this is one, one example. And once again, we'll revisit Isaiah 11.6. Now, do you know who will teach you how your your brain will naturally, we're, we're pattern recognizers. This is how your brain works. Your brain will take all these different bits and pieces and put it together into something that one, that's once again digestible, palatable, that makes sense to you, even though that's not actually what's going on at all, right? So do you know who will teach you about this? Well, if you read the Torah, right, right, the, the original Hebrew, what you'll find out is that they didn't put vowels in there, okay? And this is well known. When I was a kid, I went to Hebrew school. This comes from uh, Chabad.org, by the way. So you know it's you know it's some legit Jewy there, Jewry there. Excuse me. When I was a kid, I went to Hebrew school and learned the Hebrew letters and the vowels. But when it came time for my bar mitzvah and I started learning to read the Torah, I noticed that there aren't any vowels in there. And I had to memorize the pronunciation of every word. Why is that? Are they trying to make it super hard to become a Jewish adult? Why did they not put vowels in? There's a bunch of different reasons why they're not putting vowels in, in, in uh, Scripture, right, in the original Torah. But one of the reasons is they're trying, to, they're trying to help you understand how your brain works and that your brain will naturally put together things, okay? Um, so you can read the Torah even though whole vowels are missing? Why? And this is something we also learned as a child. We get these things where you'd get a paragraph and you'd have like bits and pieces missing. And what it's trying to do is to help you understand how your brain works. Your brain will naturally put things together. You know where else I learned this? Masonry. This is a, it's, I don't know if it's called the Lodge Proceedings, but it's like the Blue Lodge ritual book. Now, I'm not even supposed to have it. I'm not a Mason, but my friend who is or was a Mason gave me the actual book. Because um, he's like, look, you're you're an honorary mason. You're you know that sort of thing. You take this, you know, you're gonna you'll you'll use it more than I will. So, this is what you'll find inside this book. Now, most people will see this that don't understand what the masons are trying to help you understand. The masons in this book are trying to tell you how your brain works. They're trying to teach you how your brain works. Okay. Now, people will see this and be like, what kind of devil worship is this, right? Well, you can read it. It says that middle line there says, craftsmen enter and proceeds to the east. Now, does it actually say that? No, not at all. But what did your brain just do? It just put together a bunch of stuff that's not actually there. Correct? 
So while everybody is, you know, once again, this is the problem I had, irregardless, regardless of the Mandela effect, we could, we could be talking about masonry. People don't, people like their answers to be sexy, fantastical, not commonsensical and rational. There, you know, so here, a lot of people will say, oh, look what's going on with these evil masons. What kind of devil worship is this sort of thing? What are they, just scrambled letters and they're symbolic and it's cryptic and stuff like that. And you know, most people that would pick this up, that's the, or I would say most people that are in the truther community that have already found, they've already know masonry's all evil. They'd pick this up and that's the conclusion that they'd come to. You know what the masons, masons are doing there? They're trying to help you learn how your brain works. So, so let's talk about, um, let's talk about uh, uh, some of these Mandela effects. Now, um, now, so, now the, the other interesting thing about Mandela effects is that not everybody remembers things incorrectly. Okay, so a lot of people, like, and I actually have seen this myself, where a bunch of people that have said, "Oh, this is a Mandela effect," and they're absolutely positive it's true. No, this is, and if you disagree, I mean, you're an idiot, right? It's like, well, if not everybody collectively remembers it, right? And, you know, like in other words, if some people remember it this way and some people remember it this way, which actually happens in a lot of these Mandela effects, then you no longer have an effect, okay? You no longer have a split of a timeline. You no longer have God or the devil or whatever it is coming and messing with letters, okay? So one of the ones, and there's a, there's a bunch of these that as soon as I saw, I was like, is that a Mandela effect? Really? Are you kidding me? Captain Crunch. Now, I ate a shitload of um, Captain Crunch and the Crunch Berries when I was a kid. Waffle Crisp, Captain uh, Captain Crunch and the Crunch Berries and all that other stuff, right? And people were like, no, it's always said Captain. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, no, it's Captain, right? So what people assume were, uh, uh, you know, as, as an absolute Mandela effect is not. Now, some of these are inconsequential. I, you know, I, I would say most of the Mandela effect is inconsequential. So I went and actually took a Mandela effect quiz. I'm like, oh, let's try this. Now, you know, you know, full disclosure here, some of these I knew. I wouldn't say a lot of them, but some of these I knew. And then other ones I was like, wait, really? Is this a Mandela effect? I had no idea that people even considered it was a Mandela effect. Like Jiffy and Jiff. Oh, I remember it was Jiffy. No, Choosy Moms Choose Jiff. I like, to me, it was like, there, no, it's not Jiffy. Jiffy was the popcorn. And I didn't need to go to Mandela effect debunked.com to, to see that. It was like, no, choosy moms choose Jif. So a bunch of people remember Jiffy? Well, I can remember Jif. So I guess that's no longer a Mandela effect, is it? Okay. Um, so I, and I, by the way, I took this quiz and I got them all correct. Now, once again, I knew some of them. So, you know, but Cruella, Cruella de Vil, right? And it was actually the, the other one they showed was. D-E-V-I-L-L-E, uh, -L -L -E, I think it was. And when, as soon as I saw that, I was like, no, it's a play off her name. It's devil. So, you know, once again, just basically using critical thinking, it was like, oh, you know. So a lot of these, it was like, I literally got them all correct. Some of them I knew, right? So um, you'll see certain ones like this, like uh, the Curious George's Tale. Well, I mean, number one, I wasn't a Curious George fan, but why would you assume that Curious George, um, so he didn't have a tail, excuse me, and some people are like, well, I distinctly remember him having a tail. Why would you distinctly remember a monkey having a tail? I don't know, because monkeys have tails? What does your brain do? That's a monkey. Monkeys have tails. That's what your brain's doing. I distinctly remember him having a tail. Everybody distinctly remember. I mean, I don't because I didn't. I wasn't a Curious George fan or whatever. But I distinctly remember having a tail. 
What is your brains doing? Does monkeys have tails? Yes. Okay. There's and there's a bunch of ones like this that I like. Once again, I couldn't even believe were you know uh, Mandela effects. Like there's a dash in the Kit Kat, as if you know you would even remember that or anything like that. I mean, I don't even know why that's a Mandela effect. There's no dash there. Um, the other one that was brought up, and I'd seen this several times, that Kia, the Kia uh, car company, oh, that A had a crossbar in it, right? I don't remember that. I owned a Kia. I owned a, a Kia Soul. is a green one uh, with my ex. I, no, I absolutely remember that there was no uh, crossbar in there. So once again, there's a bunch of people that were like, no, that's absolute, no, absolute Mandela effect. I don't remember it that way. So I guess we no longer have an effect, do we? Okay, another one, Cheez-Its, right? I've eaten boxes of this crap, okay, when I was in a younger, uh, younger man. And that's probably, um, anyway, uh, it was like Cheez-Its, Cheez-Its, it's, no, it's Cheez-It. But you go to pick up a box of Cheez-Its, right? Why? Well, I don't know, because the Cheez-It in there is plural. You're not picking up a box of a singular big Cheez-It that you just pick out of the box. I'm going to go get me a box, I'm going to go get me a Cheez-It. And you pick out and there's one, no, you get a box of plural Cheez-Its. So once again, what does your brain do? Um, and there's a bunch of these that are just completely in, in you know, sex in the city, sex and the city. I, you know, at one point, I don't even think I could tell you which one. I didn't watch the movie or show or whatever. So it's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, the neighborhood, you know. What's, so what's the effect? Oh, this is an effect. Okay, what's causing this? So, so somebody's coming along and changing the and a, because you remember it differently. Luke, I am your father. I'm just gonna go over a few of these that are pretty famous, right? I'm just gonna give you some examples and then we're gonna go step by step into a bunch of these and show you what's actually going on. Fruit Loops, once again, I ate a shitload of Fruit Loops when I was younger. Um, Fruit Loops, Waffle Crisp, uh, Crunch Berries, all of those, right? Um, Fruit Loops, people were like, no, it was a fruit. And I was like, I don't remember that. I actually remember the two O's, right? So, um, so once again, you don't have uh, a Mandela effect. A lot of these that are, uh, you know, considered Mandela effects clearly are not. Um, Flintstones has a T. Well, it doesn't even make sense that it's Flint, as in Flint, you know, like Flint. Um, and we'll, I'm just going to show a few of these. Life is like a box of chocolates. Life was like a box of chocolates. Why well, I distinctly remember, you know? Are you sure? Are you sure you distinctly uh, here's here's one, Febreze, right? Febreze. Well, no, it's actually one E and not two E's. Well, why would you? Why would your brain think that you're seeing two E's? Well, because look at the word breeze. How many times have you seen the word breeze in your life? You've spelled it out. You in, when you were learning to spell B R E E Z E. That's what you've seen time and 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 time again. And that's what goes into your brain. And so what do you project out? Oh, Febreze. No, they some the devil came down and took an E out. Or your brain is assembling what it's seen thousands and thousands of times before and projecting out what you think, what you think you see. Here's another one, Skechers. Perfectly rational explanation of actually what's going on in your head. Oh, it, it Skechers didn't have a T. Well, first and foremost, most of the Skechers shoes that I've seen is just an S. So you don't even see Skechers, you know, spelled out. Even if you did, what would your brain do? Well, how do you spell sketch when you sketch something out? Is it S-K-E-T-C-H? Okay, so in other words, sketchbook, 
You, as a child, how many times have you seen the word sketch? And then you see this, and what does your brain do? Oh, there's a T there. No different than exactly what the Masons are trying to teach you and exactly what the Torah is trying to teach you. What, how, what is, what, how does your brain actually work? Here's the other one, field of dreams, right? And we, I just did this the other day um, because my, we were having the, playing dominoes with my, my parents and I, they, they didn't know what the Mandela effect was. So I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll explain the Mandela effect to you and I'll give you the, the most popular one. Remember the, I asked, remember the movie Field of Dreams, right? What was the, there was a voice that Ray Kinsanella, I think is the guy's name, Kevin Costner. Um, there was a voice or the God or whatever that heard from the ether or something like that. And what, what, what was the phrase? She immediately said, if you build it, they will come. She didn't say, if you build it, he will come. They, she said, just as everybody remembers, if you build it, they will come, right? And then I said, no, it's actually not. If you build it, he will come. And my dad, he was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the whole movie is about him, literally the entire movie, about him bringing back his father, Shoeless Joe Jackson. The entire movie is about that. The entire movie is not about Kevin Costner building a, um, a, a baseball stadium so that he can sell tickets to a bunch of people. Literally has nothing to do with the movie. The movie was about, hey, I'm against, because I'm hearing these voices and if saying, if you build it, he will come, and it's my father, and there's even scenes in the movie where the, the, this is addressed specifically, like I think it's one in the diner or something like that, where he's like, he says something to the fact, it was like his kid, like, who's he, dad? That's what it says, so it doesn't make any sense. So the entire movie is about him building this um, baseball park so that his father will show back up and the entire movie is like the one red-haired guy's like, oh, you're going to lose your farm. They're going to foreclose on your farm, blah, 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 blah. And everybody remembers if you build it, they will come. Well, why do you remember if you build it, they will come? Because the entire movie from, from second one all the way up to the very last scene of the movie is a buildup. It's this, you know, it just builds up, builds up, builds up, builds up, builds up, builds up. It, it, it goes all the way to the climax. And the climax of the movie is literally the last scene of the movie. And what's the last scene of the movie? It's where you see this pan out and you see, oh, there's the baseball stadium and all these people show up. And what are they going to do? They're going to pay money to for him to go see these, these ghosts now play ball. And he's no longer going to lose his farm. So the entire movie is about him waiting for his father. He's, he's going to lose his farm. And then what happens at the very last scene? Oh, he's not going to lose his farm. And his dad shows up. But what do you remember? They came. It's the climax of the movie. So what did your brain do? What did everybody's brain do? Oh, that's right. They came. They showed up. A perfectly rational, perfectly reasonable explanation. And it's actually absolutely in line with how your brain actually works. If you build it, he will come. It's his father. What What do you remember, though? They. It's the climax of the movie. That's the, the entire movie is this buildup to where you're like, oh, what's going to happen to Ray? What's going to happen to his family? What's going on? And then all of a sudden, boom. Ah. And that's what you remember. And that's what, you know, that's what people walk out of the movie with. And everybody remembers that, right? 
perfectly reasonable explanation as to what's going on and how your brain actually works. Here's another one, Tom Cruise's sunglasses. We all remember Risky Business where he slid out and he was, I think, I don't even remember, did he have a, a mop or something like that where he was singing you know, this song? Came out in socks and a button-up shirt and a whole lot of confidence and all of a sudden, and everybody's like, he had sunglasses in that scene. I distinctly remember him having sunglasses in that scene, right? Well, no, he didn't have sunglasses in that scene at all. Why do you remember the had sunglasses in the scene? I don't know, because the movie poster for R Risky Business was one of the most icon, you know, was this is a icon. This is a, it was like a, this image has been plastered into our brain. How many people have seen the cover of risky, how many people have seen the cover of Risky Business but never even seen the movie, <laughs> right? This is one of the most icon, you know, iconograph, iconograph, what's the word I'm looking for here? Iconic, there's another word. Anyway, iconic movie posters, right? And the there was a whole fashion trend. I owned those glasses, by the way. There was a whole fashion trend after this movie in which people wore those glasses. So why does everybody distinctly remember Tom Cruise coming out with glasses on? I don't know. What is your brain actually doing? It's taking these all these separate things and then putting it into a nice little pile, nice little memory in which you can put together. And everybody remembers it that way. Why? Okay. Here, here's, a, here's a question. If everybody remembers, oh, I distinctly remember Tom Cruise coming out with glasses in that scene and now he doesn't have the glasses, which means whatever, blah, 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 right? Okay. Name me... Recite two other lines from that movie. Do you think anybody could do that? Zero people would be able to do that. Why? Because our memories suck. Here's one. And this one, I like once again, I couldn't believe was a Mandela effect. And people were absolutely... Um, uh, people were just absolutely convinced of this one. Right? There was like, no, and it's, what is it? It's Queen. We are the champions, right? We are the champions, my friends. Oh, bam, bam. Completely, you know, once again, another iconic song, right? I mean, this song is just, everyone's heard it. It's been played time and time again. We've all heard the song. And what happens at the end of the song? We, you know, we are the champions. We are no time for losing of the world. And that's how the song ends. And every, allegedly everybody remembers it that way. And immediately as soon as I saw this one, I was like, no, that's not, that's not true at all. I don't remember it that way. Um, and, you know, so in other words, you know, he, it, Freddie Mercury at the end of the song, at the very end of the song says, of the world. And everybody remembers it that way. No, that's not how it is at all. In fact, as a songwriter, I can tell you that that's not true because, well, here, I did this here. It's, by the way, Queen, a little side note here before I explain this, right? Queen are, you know, yeah, yeah, I understand they're cokeheads and, you know, he got the Fauci AIDS and all this other stuff. And, you know, they obviously had, you know, had a huge bout of degeneracy in their life, a Queen, okay? I get it. But they were, uh, I mean, it's just objective, I would say. And fantastic musicians, fantastic songwriters. They absolutely knew what they were doing when it came to songwriting. Okay, um, and if you don't, if you don't believe me, just look at the the chord structure of "We Are the Champions." Go go to the chord structure like on guitar and look. They use like this a, you know, it's a three and a half minute song or whatever it is, and they must use like twenty different chord changes. Okay. Um, and they're all really unique in the way it flows. I mean, just as a songwriter, I can tell you that it's like, Jesus, these guys knew what the hell they were doing. So 
when you say, um, no time for losers, because we are the champions. That's how the song ends, right? Okay. Now, that's a, that's a perfect way to end because he, as a musician, he resolved on the point. He res, he, there was a resolution in the phrasing of the music. No time for losers, because we are the champions of the world. You sing that. If he would have sang that, do you know what you would have to have resolved on as a musician? No time for losers, because we are the champions of the world. Shit. I'm screwing it up. So the note that he's singing of the world is actually an F. F uh, it's an F minor. Okay? I just screwed that chord up. F minor. Okay? So Freddie Mercury at the end of that song is a result, as he's singing of the world, of the world, that phrasing naturally brings you into the next segment of the song, which would be the chords that he's playing. Right? But there's been no bed of roses, no pleasure cruise. Right? So if he would have sang of the world, naturally your brain would have been like, oh, that's not a resolution. Okay? But we all remember it of the world because why? Because it's one of the most prominent parts of the song. In the beginning of the song, there's all the, he plays that beautiful piano part, and then all of a sudden it gets into the heavy rock, and it goes on and on and on and we are the champion, whatever it is, champions of the world, right? So the end of the song, once again, play it. No time for losers, because we are the champions. There's the end. If he would have said, no time for losers, because we are the champions of the world. By the way, this is a classic move in songwriting, and it's a genius move, by the way, to basically end on a, on a hanging note, because it's like, oh, yes. Okay? Once again, I don't remember that at all. Why? Maybe because I'm a songwriter and I love the band Queen. You know, um, if you don't know Queen's music, I mean, check out jazz. Check out a day at the races, um, uh, a night at the opera. I mean, you know, once again, I know that they were sort of degenerates and all that other stuff. But Jesus, great songwriters. So, so completely rational explanation of what's going on. You remember? What do you remember though of the world? Why? Because in the previously in the song, that's the big moment. That's like the huge moment after the huge Brian May's just freaking crushing it on guitar. And then all of a sudden, oh, the world. And then it goes right into that nice little piano part. That's what you remember. That's what your brain remembers. Musically, it doesn't make, it makes no sense at all for him to have ended as of the world. Because your brain would have said, hey, where's that F? Okay. Monopoly. Okay, here's another one. Why Monopoly? I don't know. Think about once again, what is your monopoly, monopoly, monocle, 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 monopoly, monocle, 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 monocle,
Are you sure your brain's not putting together what you think you saw? And we do, once again, we do this singularly and collectively. Um, this was the other one that, once again, um, people were just absolutely, you know, it's like, no, I remember it was Looney. It doesn't even make any sense that it's Looney Tunes, as in T-U-N-E-S. I know it was Looney Tunes, okay? Now, this one, I don't, I don't remember. I don't, you know, and I watched Looney Tunes, but I, I couldn't have told you either way, you know. But I, rationally, I would say, you know, oh, like, once again, uh, commonsensically, I would say, well, no, I mean, it makes sense that it would be tunes because why are they? It's cartoons, right? You're watching Saturday, Saturday morning cartoons. How many times you're watching cartoons? You grew up with cartoons. What does your brain do? Tunes, 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 cartoons, tunes, 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 T-O-O-N-S. That's what your brain is constantly inundated by. All of the information that's going into your brain is what? I'm watching cartoons and I know how to spell cartoons. Then you find out later, no, it's actually Looney Tunes. Now people say, and they're they just, you know, they're just absolutely certain that this is a Mandela effect. Well, once again, it's a rational explanation when you just go and you can absolutely verify this. That Looney Tunes was first started as, um, and I didn't even know this site existed before I did this live stream. It's called Mandela Effect Debunked. I didn't even know it existed, but I actually got this from that. And so uh, back in the 1920s, which, by the way, when they, when, uh, you know, this, when uh, Looney Tunes and all that sort of stuff started, you know, this was, once again, back in the 20s. Nobody was, none of us were even born back then to even remember this, okay? But Disney produced a series of animated musical short, musical short films titled, titled Silly Symphony, which were originally intended as accompaniments to pieces of music. And it also comes, uh, it says, the popularity of silly symphonies led to other studios trying to copy that same model. Among those were Warner Brothers, who came up with Merry Melodies and Looney Tunes. And it was a play on words. Tunes, hey, these are tunes, but they're also cartoons. But since nobody remembers Silly Symphony or Merry Melodies or anything like that, or even the original Looney Tunes in which there was music accompanied to it, because that was before most people's time. What does your brain remember? Cartoons, 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 cartoons. I know it was Looney Tunes. Are you sure? Once again, an absolutely rational, absolutely reasonable, commonsensical, verifiable explanation for what's going on. But do you know what happens? Mandela Effect people, no. No, Mandela Effect people like their answers to be sexy. It, I, I know, it's out of this world phenomenon. It's fantastical. Like I said, it's the same thing that go, you, you find the same thing with masonry. Instead of actually just going in, doing honest research and finding out what it is, no, those are the devil worshipers. That's all the new world order. This is all, you know, they go down there and they, you know, ride goats and blah, 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 blah. Right? People like their answers to be sexy. Here's another, here's another one. Here, let's talk about the Bible for a second. I come along and I say, well, as somebody who studied classical works of literature for like a long time, right? You know, a, a voracious reader for many, many years. I put my nose to the grindstone. I read all sorts of literature and things like that. I can come to the Holy Bible and I can say that, well, look, um, these are not supernatural stories as you think. It wasn't like, you know, what's a better, use the principle of parsimony here. Use Occam's razor. This is proper thinking, guys. Occam's razor. Okay? Plurality should not be posited without necessity. We don't need a bunch of explanations when the actual simple answer is right in front of you, right? 
So let's take Noah's Ark, for instance, right? So was there a 600-year-old guy that was drunk that built a ship that carried all the animals two by two uh, aboard to the next, you know, uh, next world in which there was dry land that appeared? Now, if you ask most Christians, they'd be like, that's absolutely what happened, right? It was no, it was a real historical event. Okay, well, the amount of fantastical, supernatural things that you would have to believe and wholly adopt to, to you know, to accept that answer is outrageous. They're, they're too numinous to name how many things you'd have to accept that are supernatural. Then I come along and I say, well, it's actually, there's an absolutely reasonable explanation for that story, and it's just a retelling of a myth, and the myth's right upstairs in the stars. Doesn't require anything sexy, doesn't require anything fantastical, doesn't require anything out of this world, doesn't require anything supernatural. What it requires for you to do is do your basic study in astronomy. But what do people want? They want the sexy answer. No, there was a big, he was 600 years old and a drunk and he built a big boat and all the animals came two by two aboard it. That's the world we live in. That's what people want to see, okay? Um, let's go over a few more of these here. Snow White, uh, mirror, mirror on the wall. I know it said mirror, mirror on the wall. I absolutely know, and everybody remembers it, mirror, mirror on the wall. Well, why? Once again, this actually comes from Mandela Effect or debunked.com, and this is, once again, absolutely rational. Well, here's a Snow White and Seven Dwarves, and I don't know, a lot of people actually had these books when they were, they were kid. it's, kids. It's like the, I forget what the book company was called, but... A lot of people have the, you know, these books. And you can actually read in the book, Mirror, Mirror on the Wall. It says it in two different sections. Okay. Now, the movie says Magic Mirror on the Wall. You can go and listen to it, and that's absolutely what it says. But what does everybody remember? Mirror, Mirror on the Wall. I don't know. Well, here's another Walt Disney classic where it's a Burger King collector's series, and it says Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs coming from Walt Disney itself. Mirror, Mirror on the Wall. Who's the fairest of them all? Well, uh, the, you know, once again... The Mandela effect um, is a common misconception. So this, magic mirror on the wall, uh, is a common misconception and misquoted line that has perpetuated itself deep within our culture, just like all of these things, right? Once again, how many people actually went and, and, and challenged themselves on this? Hardly anybody. And this is what I mean when I'm talking, addressing directly to the people that absolutely believe Mandela effect. And if you don't, you're just some deluded fool. No offense, but you don't know how your brain works. So... There's even a movie called Mirror, Mirror, starring Julia Roberts. Well, where does this come from? Well, number one, even Walt Disney printed it in books and all sorts of things that it's Mirror, Mirror on the Wall. It comes from a Brothers Grimm story. And it translated, it's Mirror, Mirror on the Wall. Now, who's the, who, who in this land is the fairest of, of, of all, right? So it's a, adapted from a story in which the Brothers Grimm was extremely famous, okay? So... Um, and then this is the other one that said, and I actually go, I, I was going to play the clip, but you can actually go. And he said, the age and sound quality of the Disney film is also questionable. If you were told, if you had it in your head, mirror, mirror on the wall, before watching the Queen's mirror scene, which most people do, you could almost hear it. It says mirror, mirror instead of magic mirror. Once again, what's your brain doing? It's not actually taking what's happening in front of you and, you know, and, you know, especially when it comes to challenging what your memory is or believe, you actually think what you're hearing. You actually, um, you know, you're, you're hearing magic mirror on the wall, but because mirror, mirror on the wall is in your head, that what do you, what, once again, what are you projecting out? Okay. Once again, verifiable, rational, 
reasonable, commonsensical explanation for what's going on, but try to get a Mandela Effect person to actually agree to it. No. So once again, you go step by step and you look at each one of these Mandela Effects. And what, what happens is people don't want to actually address each one individually and say, okay, well, let's try to figure out what's actually going on. They've just accepted all of them, and now it's some big effect without even addressing numero uno issue. And that's how your brain sucks, dude. It does. Once again, you know who will teach you this? Once again, if you, te if you take it seriously, I don't know, the Holy Bible, those devil worships, devil worshippers, the Masons. What you'll actually find out is, once again, people that, um, I don't want to get into it. Let's go, let's go over a few more, okay? And then we're going to play a little game. This is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. Okay, so Fruit of a Loom. Why, oh, oh, there was a cornucopia behind the Fruit of a Loom. Well, why, once again, think about how your brain works. Why do you assume that there was a cornucopia behind the Fruit of a Loom symbol? I don't know, because how many cornucopias, like in Thanksgiving, and, you know, there's a whole month essentially dedicated to where families get together, and what's the symbol? It's a, usually a cornucopia, right? And what's in that? Fruit. How many times have you seen cornucopias in your life? You know, in, in all sorts of facets and advertising and logos and whatever it is, right? And so what does your brain do? Oh, no, I know it was there. Are you sure? Because then it was the interesting one was then when I actually saw the, because the, the, they showed a commercial where it was all the Fruit of a Loom guys and they were all dressed up as like, you know, the grapes and the apples and stuff like that. And it was just like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, no, there, there was no cornucopia there. Otherwise, would there have been a cornucopia in the, the commercial or something, you know? So once again, your brain is fitting in what you think you remember and that becomes concretized. And then when somebody comes along and says, well, actually, you know, um, what you remember is incorrect. What what happens? Your brain has already made those connections, those patterns and those uh, synapses or whatever are already joined in your head. And so you say, no, I absolutely remember this. No, what you're remembering is incorrectly. When somebody comes and comes along and says, well, this is actually what it was. What you have to do, this is actual critical thinking, is you have to re-examine that and say, oh, maybe that is incorrect. And what was established in my brain was incorrect. And relook at it. Most people want to say, no, this is true because I remember it this way. And as we said, 71% of eyewitness testimony, 41% even got the race wrong. Think about that. Okay. Here's another one I thought was pretty hilarious, right? So, who will save your soul when it comes to the flowers now? Who will save your soul? Right? Everybody remembers it was who will save your soul. Well, why do you remember who will save your soul? Well, because who will save your soul was the hit song that came the jewel and it was played for I don't know how many freaking months. And it's the song is called Who Will Save Your Soul. But what is the chorus? Who will save your souls? Go ahead and listen to it. Was there a uh some sort of God, devil, shifting timelines or something like that that came in and changed all of the CDs and cassettes and of, of every single Jewel record out there? Or why do you remember Who Will Save Your Soul? It's because it's the name of the song. But the chorus is Who Will Save Your Souls. Look at the back of the record. Why would you remember Who Will Save Your Soul? 
Because how many times did you watch MTV or you had this record or you saw the, the name of the song and that's exactly what it is. It's a, it is who will save your soul, but that's not what she sings. So why do you remember it that way? Once again, perfectly rational explanation. You remember it that way because you're remembering correctly. It was called Who Will Save Your Soul. That's not what she's saying, though. Here's another one that um, was very interesting. <clears throat> the heart is always on the left, right? This is anatomical um, Mandela effects. The heart's always on the left. The heart's always been over here. It's on the left, right here. No, the heart's always been in the middle. Why do you, and then people are like, it's always been on the left, it's always been on the left, it's always been on the left. Well, why would you assume, or why do we, maybe some people anyway, collectively remember that the heart is on the left? Well, just as we all did, or at least a lot of people did, we stood up in class and, or we, you know, was in Boy Scouts or whatever it was, and you put your hand on your heart and you said the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance. So the first thing you did is you took your right hand and you went to the left. That's the first thing you did. So every motion, every time that your brain, right, think about the motion that your body is making. Right to left, 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 left. How many times have you done that in your life? So what does your brain remember? Let's go to this way. So then we all assume that we remember that the, well, we were always taught that the heart was in the left. No, actually the heart is in the center, but you know why you remember it's in the left? Because your hand is doing this. But not only that, your heart is in the left. Look at every single illustration. The heart is in the center and where does it go? It goes to the left. Okay, you don't want to believe illustrations online? Look at any x-ray. Any of them. Where does your heart sit? It's in the center, and what does it go towards? The left. None of them go towards the, the right. Top one, look at them. Look at them, every single one. Okay? So now, what, what actually happened? Well, heart was always in the left. What did your brain do? Your brain took the, this motion, the truth, <laughs> actual truth, does go to the left, and what did it do? Just as it's done with all of these things, it's simplified it into something that you can remember that's palatable. Okay? How are we doing thus far? Are you guys all cursing at me? And we're going to cover the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, we, we live in an electromagnetic toroidal field. It's like taping over old stuff on VHS. Virginia Dare, any proof of this? This is what I'm saying. This is what we, this is when it comes to Critical thinking skills. If we have an effect, and you're saying it's an effect, well, you, the other thing is you'd have to prove the Mandela effect. In other words, we'd have to show that there was, you know, there was some sort of a change along the way. Like, and I'm going to show one here where people have claimed that this is proof, and it was the Bernstein Bears, right? So, um, what what are you saying? Um, there was brown leaves behind the fruit. Perf uh, periphery might form it into a cornucopia. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The problem is, and this is, uh, oh, we're just getting started, Thirst. Wait till we get to the biblical stuff. Because, because when, I got, when I was watching the Alpha Vedic stuff and I was, wa I was listening to Brian Stavely, just absolutely, like, once again, no offense to Brian Stavely. Love the guy. He's a nice guy. Like I said, he's a nicer guy than I am. <laughs> so <it's, laughs> I could be a total prick sometimes. Um, <laughs> you know, he was rattling these off as if they're absolute proof. And I was listening to it and I was like, it takes one minute of research, literally one minute of research to prove that you're incorrect. 
okay? And so we'll get to the biblical ones at the end, okay? So I'm actually glad I'm doing this because it's, it's, it's pretty necessary. So where are we? Okay, so we did the heart one, right? So absolutely rational explanation while everybody remembers the heart is on the left. Number one, because it is. It's in the center that moves towards the left. And once again, think about it. How many people would take their left hand? Well, number one, there's a whole spectrum of stuff that we could talk about the, the how important the right hand is, right? Number one, most people are not left-handed or ambidextrous. They're right-handed. So this is your main hand. You write with this, you, you know, whatever, play ball with it and stuff like that. So you're taking your right and going to the, to the left. So there's that. But then beyond all that, that's literally where your heart is. It, it moves towards the left. Once again, don't trust me, do not believe me, just go and research it yourself. The problem is, is people do not do proper research. And like I said, this is irrespective of the Mandela effect. This goes across the board with all of these things. Okay, Berenstain Bears, right? And now this is gonna be fun. We're gonna have some fun now, okay. So the Berenstain Bears, everybody remembers that the Berenstain Bears, right? You can't tell me it was the Berenstain Bears, right? I, I had these as a kid. I was, you know, I was a mother and I was reading it to my child and I absolutely remember it was Berenstain Bears. And this was the big one. This is one of the big ones, right? Some, you know, some people have brushed this off now as Mandela Effect, but this is one that actually gets a lot of people. Now, I don't really remember the Berenstain Bears at all. So, and, you know, I don't, I don't even remember if I watched it or anything like that. So this was not, for me, this wasn't like a really big one or anything like that, but it is for a lot of people, okay? And so this was one of the proofs <laughs> This is so fucking funny. I'm sorry. It's just... Ah. Anyway, so this is one of the proofs that somebody had showed that there was some sort of shift, right? And so if you look, it says, look at the front of that VHS tape. It says, the Berenstain Bears. Ooh, look at this, right? So there, there's proof that there was some sort of shift. And then if you just look, um, right, if you just look on the actual cover of the, of the VHS there, you can see the actual logo, which comes from the Berenstain Bears, right? And it says Berenstain. So on the same, and then even if you look down, it says plus the disappearing honey by Stan and Jan Berenstain. So here on one VHS tape, they have it spelled correctly twice and then incorrectly once. Well, uh, you know, what's going on here? Well, I can tell you as somebody that's worked in the sign industry and has been has done, you know, since 1997, I had worked in the sign industry for, I don't know, a long, long time, right? And I had done, you know, uh, I did design, I did printing and stuff like that. A lot of times we would get, this would happen weekly, guys, weekly, where something would be spelled incorrectly, right? Where, you know, we're a print house and we're tasked to like spell things correctly. Like they give us a script or whatever it is and you go and type it out and next thing you know, something's spelled incorrectly. In fact, this actually happened um, to a sign company whether I was that uh, a rival sign company that, um, when I worked in Eugene, and they're called ESNA Sign and Awning, right? And this is a sign company, guys, that used their own logo, by the way. They used their own logo for this. So they had to put up a sign at Hayward Field, I think is what it was, in Eugene. And so, because they were doing, you know, we were all contracted to do signage there. So Image King Signs, who I worked for at the time, we would go in, and then ESNA Awning, Sign and Awning would be there. And so they had this big ESNA Sign Awning. It was on the freaking the, the Hayward Field, like, big board, you know, that you see that everybody sees in the stadium. And they spelled it ESNA Sign and Awning. They forgot the end. I swear to God. Swear to God. This is a sign company that used their own logo. And obviously the ESNA is the main logo that they've, you know, that they've, um, 
they digitized or whatever, they converted to curves, if you will. If you guys know of CAD programs, you know what I'm talking about. And then at the bottom, they just used a, your, you know, they would just fill it out with whatever it was, whatever that font is right there. Um, <clears throat> Bank Gothic bold or whatever the hell it is, right? And so they would type out signs. So whoever was making that, 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 that vinyl sign right there, they just went and signed and they forgot the N, right? So this happens all the time. So whoever was contracted out to do the, the front of this cover, which is probably that, what is it, Random House Home Video, so they sent them, you know, the Berenstain Bears sent them the actual logo, and then when they actually printed on the front, what did they do? Well, Stein, right? So why does everybody, when it comes to the Berenstain Bears, why does everybody remember it as Berenstain Bears and not Berenstain Bears? Okay, why? Well, once again, let's use our critical thinking skills here, okay? Let's use it, let's think about all the stimuli that your brain has adopted over the many, many years. How many people have heard of a last name with the name, with the word stain in it? How many last names have the word Stein in it? Stein is a German name, and it's actually adopted by uh, Jews as well. So you'll, you'll, and even says, why do uh, many Jews have names that end in Berg or Stein, right? And it says Stein is German for rock. They're German, uh, these are Germanic last names. A lot of people, a lot of Jewish people have them because they're Germanic Jews. And so you'll see a lot of people with the name Stein in it, okay? So, uh, you know, so you see Berenstain, and what does your brain do? It, it sees Stein. Why? Well, because that's what you've seen your entire life. Stein Hoffels, Ben Stein. We're going to go see Du. Du hast. Du hast me. We're going to go see Rammstein. We're going to go to the Beer Stein. Oh, what's his name? It's Silverstein. What's his name? Goldstein. So now you, you remember something that you saw as a child 20, 30 years ago. It wasn't Berenstain. Why does your brain fit together that it was Berenstain and not Berenstain? Because how many, how many times have you seen Stein, Stein, Goldstein, Silverstein, Ben Stein, Chris Stein, the Beer Stein, Ramstein, Stein Hoffels? What is your brain doing? It's taking all those times that you'd seen that and putting it in your brain, so something simple that it remembers. So either there was a, the devil came down and decided to change the A to an I and all the VHS tapes and all the comic books or comic or, you know, books on the Berenstain Bears and all the, all the cartoons and Berenstain Bears and all of that stuff. And that was the devil's big trick. Or... There's a completely rational, completely reasonable explanation, and it's all based on understanding how your brain works. Let me give you an example of this. This is when I, uh, so I, we were living in Hawaii, and I was driving back one night from working at the vet, right? And so I drive from Hawaiian Paradise Park, and I drive through Keao, and I go up to Hilo, and it was basically a divided highway there. So you go up to Hilo, and then I'd come back, and I'd go through Keao, and I'd come back to Hawaiian Paradise Park. And at, I swear to God, I swear to God, I swear to God, I was driving home, and I was thinking about the, the Mandela effect. 
And I was like thinking, I was like, okay, how am I going to explain this? How am I going to show, you know, what the, the faults of memory and how your memory works and how you piece things together, how we're pattern recognizers, that all that sort of stuff. I was thinking about all this other stuff. And I was literally thinking about Berenstain Bears, right? And so as I'm driving by this highway that I, dro I, dro I drove by every single time I went to work, I drove by this highway, okay? Every single time. And if you said, hey, Marty, what is the name of the highway that you drove by? And I was thinking of this as, I was thinking of the Mandela Effect and the Berenstain Bears as I'm driving by this highway, right? So I'm driving at night and then I look, I'm like, oh, what's the name of that highway? Well, it's called, uh, it's called the Steinbeck Highway. If you would have asked me, I would have swore up and down that this highway that I drove by, there it is, Hawaiian Paradise Park, where we used to live, drive through KL, go into Hilo, on the other side of the road on the way back, there's a highway there and it's called uh, Steinbeck Highway. If you would have asked me, I would have told you up, down, left, right, and forward and reverse that that was Steinbeck Highway. Well, it's not, Marty. It's actually called the Steinbeck Highway. I was thinking of the, I swear to God, thinking of the Berenstain Bears and the Mandela Effect as I'm driving by this highway. Now, why did my brain put together that this was Steinbeck? and not staying back. Once again, because what did my brain want to see? The Bierstein, I used to go to the Bierstein in Eugene, by the way, a ton of beers. Ben Stein, Steinhoffels, Rammstein, Stein, 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 your entire life. So what did your brain do? Exactly what your brain does. So no, it's not called the Steinbeck Highway, it's called the Steinbeck Highway. So did I just discover a new Mandela effect? Or am I showing you verifiably, once again, that your brain sucks. Your brain pieces together things that it wants to see. There it is. So that was a perfect, uh, an example, okay? Now I'm gonna show you, um, so now I'm gonna show you, let's go, $5, thank you, let's see, Truth Seeker, thank you so much. I, I'm sorry, I'm not, I haven't been in the chat. Let me, let me stop here a second. So this next one's going to be fun, okay? I think, by the way, this Sunday we're going to talk about how the cipher is encoded in the first name of Jesus. So, uh, proper thinking is not permitted among the infected. Yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. So, thank you, True Seeker. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. Yeah, okay. So, now let's go to this. So, when Jennifer and I moved here, right? Um, we started looking literally all around the state of Wisconsin for a place to live. And um, my internet's good here. Yeah, we're good. So we, we wanted to live up north. And so we went to like Mountain and we went up to, you know, Winter and we went up to Hayward and like all, all over the, the state here. And um, one of the places that we actually looked at some land was a place called Shawano, Wisconsin. Okay. And it's really sort of the gateway up towards, it's kind of like the midpoint of the of the state, if you will, kind of thing. It's sort of the, if, if you, I don't mean that like specifically, but it's like, it's sort of the gateway to the north in Wisconsin, right? And then Shawano Lake and Shawano. So we actually went and looked. And so um, I even talked to my brother, my brother who uh, works for the uh, state of Wisconsin. Uh, he's chief of state. So he actually has offices all over Wisconsin and he goes and you know, he's literally all over Wisconsin. I'll go to Green Bay, I'll go to La Crosse, I'll go to Madison, Milwaukee, et cetera, et cetera. So he knows Wisconsin very, very well. And so uh, one of the places that we uh, were going to look at was a place called Shawano, okay? So here's a bunch of, uh, here's a bunch of um, people telling you exactly where they're going, exactly where they live, and it's called Shawano, Wisconsin. 
we're uh, cleaning up a place called The Rock, just by Kashina and Shano, Wisconsin. Shano. Just by Kashina and Shano, Wisconsin. Shano. We are on our way to Shano. Say hi, Grandma. Shano. Hi, Grandma. <laughs> we are on our way to Shano. Shano. My name is Bill Mott. I'm a captain of Shano Area Fire Department. Fire Department. I'm a captain of Shano Area Fire Department. I'm a paramedic at Shano paramedic. Ambulance. Shano. I'm a paramedic at Shano Ambulance. Good morning, everybody. Jonathan Good here, located somewhere near Shano, Wisconsin. You're located somewhere near Shano, Wisconsin. Okay, so there you have a bunch of people that are driving to Shano, that live in Shano, the fire department, right? Do you know what the actual name of the town is? It's Shawano. There's an A there. It's not Shawano. It's Shawano. Okay. Now, um, now let's hear somebody pronounce it correctly. About to hit the road. Head up to Shawano Lake. Head up to Shawano Lake. Head up to Shawano Lake. Okay. So which which is it? Is it Shawano or is it Shawano? Well, it's actually Shawano. You know why? Well, because Shawano, just like uh, there's a ton of towns in Wisconsin, uh, and um, like for instance, we live next to the Menominee River. Menominee—that's a Native American name. We were we just uh, just south of us is a place called Wasaki, and it's a Native American name. A uh, big town in uh, Wisconsin is called Milwaukee. That's another Native American name. Shawano is a Native American term, right? Just like Prairie um, or um, Sock, the Sock, you know, the Sock Indian, Sock Prairie, that sort of thing. Tons of Wisconsin uh, cities and counties and stuff like that that have their roots in, uh, in, in Native American names. So Shawano is a Native American name. Now, I've never heard anyone my entire life of living in Wisconsin, my brother included, I gotta let my dog out. I've never heard anybody say Shawano, not once. When I told my brother we were looking at a place, we were looking at a piece of land next to Shawano Lake, or Shawano Lake, that's what I said. Now, now I say it correctly, but Shawano Lake. And he's like, oh yeah, I've been up to Shawano many times. I've actually, he ice, he's ice fished on Shawano Lake before, right? He said the same thing, okay? Why do, we, why do the people that live there, the fire department, the freaking EMS people, why do they all remember Shawano? Well, once again, how... How many, how many times have you heard in your life the name Sean? Even spelled S-H-A-W-N. I'm, gonna, I'm about to go on um, SGT report next month. His name is Sean, right? Our, 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 the guy that actually sold our property, our real estate agent, he was named Sean, right? So here, how many people speaking English have heard the name Sean and that's been put in their head time and time again, years and years and years and years and years. Sean, 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 Sean. So what do you expect to see when you see this? Now, it's not pronounced Shano. It's not. It's Shawano. Okay? Here's a, a group of people that in the same video, they actually pronounce it both ways. Watch this. In this week's episode of On the Pontoon, we are joined by a group of great guys from America Marine and Motorsports, located in Shawano, Wisconsin. Shawano. Located in Shawano, Wisconsin. We are in Pontoon World at American Marine and Motorsports in Shawano, Wisconsin. <laughs> Shawano, Wisconsin. So OMG Media, this is what the you can actually look at this on. It's just put in Shawano or Shawano. Wisconsin, and this is one of the first videos that comes up. It's OMG Media something. And you'll see in the same video, they pronounce it correctly and then incorrectly. 
So is this, did I just discover a new Mandela effect? Did the devil come in and take an A out or put an A in? Or am I showing you in real time here how your brain works? What it, in, instead of, and think about this too, but brain likes to simplify things. This is just how it works. How many syllables is Shawano? It's a Native American term, Shawano. Shawano. Two syllables, Shawano. Shawano. So here we have people saying it incorrectly, saying it incorrectly their entire lives. There's no issue, really, because it's like everybody knows where you live. And what is it done? It's repeated, it's repeated, it's repeated. And then you say, well, how many times have I heard the name Sean? Sean, 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 Sean. So is this a Mandela effect? No, not even close. Okay. So in case you want to know, this is absolutely how Shawano is pronounced. How do you pronounce Akonimawak? That's another Native American term, right? And a lot of people laugh. And it says, if you say it wrong, you'll be laughed at, right? Shawano is often mispronounced. It's often mispronounced. So people hear it, they repeat it, never second guess it. And then somebody comes along and say, hey, guess what? There's another Mandela effect, guys. It's not Shawano. It's Shawano. So take what I just showed you right there. Now take it to every other Mandela effect you've ever seen. Okay, now I want to ask you guys, there's a big falls up north. There's a big falls north of Wisconsin, the border of Wisconsin, uh, border of the United States and Canada. I, guess, I want you guys all to put it here. It's called, what's it called? So it's a big falls. It's a big falls. People go all the time and they go to visit it. It's a, it's a huge, uh, you know, it's a huge attraction. What's it called? I'm going to give you some time here. Once again, a big, a big falls. It's on the border of Canada and the United States. People go, people have, uh, they, and, and there's been a, a long time. <sighs> okay, cool. Yeah, all right. Nice. Ooh, nice. Perfect. <laughs> you guys got it. Oh, sorry. Here, I want to make sure I get this one because the first one is hilarious. Here. Are we going to discover another Mandela effect here? Oh, shit. I just screwed this up. Pardon me. Okay, let's see if I can get this one here. I just asked you guys. Okay, so what? It, so what was the what was the first answers here? I'll make sure I freaking find it now. This is the first answer. Niagara. Oh, and then the per, the next person spells it correctly. Niagara. Salty Siren says Niagara. Then Zulone says Ni Niagara. 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 Right. Well, what's the what's the answer? What's what's actually true? What's the name of the falls? <clears throat> it's Niagara. <clears throat> Niagara. 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 This five. Niagara. What? Well, I guess it's four. Sorry. Niagara. But how many people remember Niagara? Why do we remember Niagara? Well, because people have been pronouncing it incorrectly for years and years and years and years and years. And what's easier to remember? 
Number one, Ni Niagara is, a, yet again, I believe that's a, a Native American term. Um, don't quote me on that. But um, what's easier to remember, Niagara or Niagara? So did we just discover another Mandela effect? No, it's always been Niagara. I was, here's another one, Oscar Mayer Wieners. That's why I started this live stream with, I wish I was an Oscar Mayer Wiener. That is what I'd really like to be. Well, if I was an Oscar Mayer Wiener. One of the most famous that we all remember, um, or that we've all sung, I should say, over the years. In fact, when I sing that tune, how many people know exactly what I'm talking about? So we've heard Oscar Mayer Wiener. Well, it's not M-E-Y-E-R. It's actually M-A-Y-E-R. Now, Meyer, the, the name Meyer, you can pronounce both ways. You can pronounce it Mayer or Meyer, right? It can be, you can be spelled with an A or an E, and the pronunciation will, you know, because A-N-E is a, a phoneme. I'm not going to get into that because that's a whole other discussion. But, you know, there's 44 what's what are called phonemes. It's part of the English language. They're sounds, right? Usually 42, 44, depending on, depending on who you ask. But... So we've heard Oscar Mayer Wiener our entire lives. And so what does your brain do? It assumes that Mayer, M-E-Y-E-R, that's what your brain assumes. Well, that's not the, the, the truth at all. It's actually Mayer. How many people have heard the name John Mayer? No, it's not John May Mayer. It's not John Mayer. It's John Mayer, right? No one's going to pronounce John Mayer with an E, are they? Is there anybody out there that's going to spell John Mayer with an, with an E? No, why? Because may, a, a, air. Ayer is a, is, a, is a phoneme that is that you can have an A, an I, or an E in. So this is a name that's it's Mayer. It's, it's actually pronounced Meyer. And so people immediately assume that there's an E there. And then they're like, that's absolutely what I remember. Why do you remember that? Well, I wish I was an Oscar Mayer wiener. Meyer, 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 into your brain. And then you see that that's not true and you say Mandela effect. I can't wait till we get to the biblical stuff. Here's another, here's another game we're going to play here, okay? I need your guys' um, uh, Okay, so there's a, there's a um, home improvement store. That pretty much, I'm, I know lots of people have, have, have been to in this life, all right? Um, where did the Monopoly monocle guy? <laughs> this is what I'm saying. I totally distinctly remember that being true. Are you sure? Are you sure? Okay. So there's a there's a home improvement store. Oh my god. I love this. Talk about it more. You'll get it at some point. Your brain will get it. I denied until I did actual research. Exactly. People don't actually do research when it comes to this stuff. So, uh, and uh, Virginia Dare seems to be very, much love. You seem very convinced, though, don't you? You don't, you're still not, still not getting it. Okay, that's all right. Whatever. Um, so there's a, there's a home improvement store. We're going to play a little game here. There's a home improvement store um, out there, and it's the, it's the competitor of Lowe's, right? And it's got an orange sign. What is that home improvement store called? Oh, my brother's here. He's like Niagara Falls. He gets it. <laughs> what's the What's this store called? It's the It's a home improvement store, and it's the rival to Lowe's. What's it called? 
I get it, Brother Ryan. Okay, good, good. Just wait till the, just home despot. <laughs> no, that's not where, the, no, come on, you know, that's not where Justin Castro goes to shop, all right? Okay, cool. Oh, the first first answer. Good. Okay, cool. Oh, there we go. Somebody looked it up. I was going to tell you not to look it up. It's called Home Depot, right? There it is. It's homedepot.com. Home Depot. There's the sign, Home Depot. Um, let's just go look, and it's Home Depot. Home Depot, Home Depot, Home Depot, Home Depot, right? No, actually, it's not. It's called the Home, the home Depot. Now, if I would have just showed you this and didn't show you the Home Depot, would you have all been convinced that yeah, it's absolutely Home, De home Depot? Uh, go to the, go to their actual www and what is it? Is it thehomedepot.com? No, it's homedepot.com. So why does everybody re why, if you say where am I going? Am I going to the Home Depot or am I, go am I going to Home Depot? I'm going to go to Home Depot and, and pick up some lumber. Why? Number 1, it's easier to say, less syllables. It's number one, it's just like all of these Mandela effects, completely inconsequential to your experience of going into the store and picking up some, you know, whatever, rat killer or nails and screws or whatever the hell it is you buy at Home Depot. So this is the first thing the person said, Home Depot. No, it's actually the Home Depot. It does it really matter? No. But yet again, what's actually happening in your brain? The Walmart, yeah. Home Depot my whole life until 216, yeah. So San Diaro, are you going to tell me it was always magic mirror on the wall instead? We just covered this, bro, just so you know. This is what I say. Eric, Aaron Roca, the Mandela effect is for morons. No, not, not necessarily, because the Mandela effect is very interesting. It isn't to say that there isn't a phenomenon going on here. There absolutely is. But the explanation that people, once again, want to bring to it is the one that's fantastical. Like I said, it's the one that's sexy. It's the one that's like, no, you need to tell me this. I remember it distinctly. When there's an absolutely common sense and reasonable explanation for what's going on. People don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear it. Okay? They also don't want to actually examine how their brain works. Okay? So, there's a, a few examples here. Um, here. Here's another one. Ellis Island. Oh, Ellis Island. Actually, there's two islands now, right? There was only one. It was uh, the, the um, Statue of Liberty was always on Ellis Island. Well, no, it's actually on Liberty Island. And Ellis Island is the island right next to it, okay? And we've seen this. Now, and if you go, you're like, oh, you go to the Statue of Liberty and the Ellis Island tour, right? And you can go and look at this. And they're actually two separate islands. Now, why does everybody remember it as one island? Well, number one, how many people here, and be honest, how many people have actually been, it's actually been both. I know that big, big Katuna, that's, that's exactly the point I was making though, right? But if you didn't know that, and I just said, which is it, would you be... Would you be convinced either way? No, it's the Home Depot. Or is it just Home Depot? Okay. Same sort of thing that's happening with Magic Mirror on the wall and Mirror Mirror on the wall. Which is it? It's both. It's both. Once again, are you mean to tell me that that's not a... No, it's not. Okay. Liberty Island and Ellis Island are two separate islands in the New York Harbor. Well, how many people here have actually been to the Statue of Liberty? How many? Uh, yeah. 
if you just got here, you probably shouldn't be asking those questions because there's there's a whole. How many people have been there? Not, I mean, you know, I haven't been there. I don't really know anybody that I've been. I'm from New York. Okay, cool, nice. So um, why do we remember it as one one island? Okay, well, number one, lots of people haven't even been there, right? They've not, how many people have double checked the geography at all? You were just you just remember like as if it was distinctly taught to us that yes, the Statue of Liberty is on Ellis Island. No. Number one, the tour that you do for the, the Statue of Liberty in Ellis Island is a combinatory tour. You go to both islands, right? Why do we remember Ellis Island? Well, because when we were taught in school that this is the, you know, when we were taught about immigration, give us our poor and our tired and our hungry. That was a terrible idea. <clears throat> Brought us freaking crazy Irishmen over here. But um, why do we remember that? Well, because once again, your brain is taking separate things, combining them into one to make it a nice little memory that they can store in the back of their head. And before the Mandela effect, would you ever have questioned it? No. But now somebody goes and questions it and says, oh, well, I remember it as one thing. You mean you remember so you remember something you'd never even been there? You, you remember something that you never double checked in the first place? Why do we people remember it? Because you just took, once again, multiplicity and you brought it into a singularity in your brain we're gonna go we're gonna go on uh, we're gonna go visit the statue of liberty on liberty island and we're also gonna go to ellis island on the tour no you're gonna say we're gonna go see the ellis island and statue of liberty so was there another island that just sort of appeared out of magic or that the, the, the Statue of Liberty was somehow moved in some, you know, breaking of historical timeline? Or did your brain do exactly what your brain does? It took something that was complex that actually, you know, has a, once again, a multiplicity and brought it into something nice and easy that you can remember. I honestly, it was very shocking to me to actually see that people were, thought that this was some sort of big, you know, Mandela effect. No, there's, it's two separate islands. And apparently, and I don't know this for Somebody double check this, but I don't even think you can go and up to the Statue of Liberty anymore. I, don't, I think that they, like, or you can't go up it anymore. But I, I don't know. So, but that's a, you know, that's a star for it right there. By the way, interesting. So, okay, now let's t let's take a look at this one. Okay, now this one is the one that I, I found that people come to this one and they're just like this is absolutely proof of the mandela effect okay i in fact most of the mandela effect um channels that i'd seen this was the big one this is the one that they're like look if you're denying this you're just an absolute fool <laughs> <It's fucking Christ. laughs> and there here we go and there's a bunch of people here that even after i show you this even after i show you this people are still not going to believe it okay so just wait for this one, okay. Yes, Walt Disney himself summons the magic mirror by saying mirror, mirror. Yeah, there's, once again, we just covered that. Tons of, tons of examples of where they say mirror, 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 mirror on the wall. Then once again, you go to the movie, it doesn't say that. And so you say Mandela effect. Okay. Ed McMahon, let's cover this one, okay. <laughs> This is the one that people, I, they get passionate about this shit, man. They're just like, no, this is proof. And there's an absolutely reasonable explanation for this. But even after I give, once again, I'm telling you right now, even after I give you the absolute reasonable explanation for what the hell's going on with Ed McMahon, people still won't want to believe it. Okay? And this is why I, this is why I didn't do the Mandela effect 
for the longest time because I realized that it's just like arguing with people over Freemasonry. There's no difference. It's zero difference. People already have in the head that they know and they're not going to accept your explanations at all, okay? So Ed McMahon, everybody remembers Ed McMahon from the, what is it, the something clearinghouse? The, I don't even know what it's called. So Ed McMahon, everybody remembers Ed McMahon going door to door and handing people checks for the publisher's clearinghouse is what it, what it is, right? Um, I can't take my memories away of him walking up to people's door with big checks. This is... Oh, I'm sorry. I just got to read a few of these. I, I find it so funny because, once again, the people that will defend Mandela effects, they just will not even look at any of this other stuff as reasonable, rational explanations. They like the fantastical, even though there's no explanation for the Mandela effect at all. None. They just, what is it? Well, it's God. It's Satan. It's dividing timelines. It's quantum shift this wild explanations on effect but no cause okay then i'm going to give you an absolutely reasonable explanation for what's going on with ed mcmahon and i'll probably watch 80 percent of the people be like that's not i'm just not going to accept that okay ed mcmahon everybody remembers him going door to door back in the day and handing out checks to people from from a publisher's clearinghouse right many people insist that they remember him working for the company right some people claim that this is an example of a Mandela effect, a phenomenon which, uh, where memory doesn't seem to match up with reality, okay? So, um, so here is uh, Ed McMahon, and he's on the Roseanne Bar Show. Roseanne, you guys remember this. Roseanne, by the way, that show was, I, I mean, don't quote me here, but it was clearly one of the biggest sitcoms of all time. Um, and she made loads of money on that, right? And so here's Ed McMahon in the show delivering a check. Oh my God, explain that to me. Okay, here's Ed McMahon and he is, well, let's first hear, let's, here's the, here's the explanation for that's actually given by the companies to what's going on. And it's exactly how your brain works. It's taking two separate things, bringing them into one, making it a nice little thing and that becomes your memory and everybody does this. It takes separate things, combines them into something that is palatable in your head and then that's what everybody remembers and then here is the actual companies telling you that this is what's going on right and you say well they're they're it's just conspiracy and they're lying about this like they didn't even i don't even get to that but here's the explanation ed mcmahon was a spokesperson for american family publishers he never left the studio and never handed out a giant check okay and this is what they're claiming but we all know it's actually a metal effect, okay? Publisher's Clearinghouse had prize patrol, and they showed up at the doorsteps with a giant check. So Publisher's Clearinghouse had the prize patrol. He didn't work for Publisher's Clearinghouse. He worked for American Family Publishers. So there was people that showed up at your door that handed you a big check, and you're like, yeah, right? And then people say, well, I remember his face was on the, the, the cover of, or was on the envelope. Well, his face was on the envelope for American Family Publishers. These two companies were in direct competition and practically ran, ran ads concurrently. So these were two companies that were like, oh, sweepstakes, 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 right? American Family Publishers, Publishers Clearinghouse, Publishers, Publishers. The same word, American Family Publishers, Publishers Clearinghouse. It's even the same name, right? Or, you know, it has the same word in the in the name. So these two companies were in direct competition and practically ran ads concurrently. It's no wonder people got them mixed up. And I don't think anyone tried to clear it up. At least, publishers clear, at least Publisher Clearinghouse did. 
or they didn't is actually what it's supposed to say. They didn't clear it up at the time because they considered it free advertising. So people were mistaking, even at the time, they were mistaking Publishers Clearinghouse for American Family Publishers. And they were saying, oh, yeah, that's Ed McMahon. This was happening at the time. And, and they never cleared it up because they're like, well, shit, it's free advertising, right? So here is, um, here is Ed McMahon, and this is when he's uh, in his later years. So remember, let's, let's go back to this. Here's Ed McMahon holding on the Roseanne Bar Show, which was watched by millions of people. Here he's holding a check, and he's showing up at the door. He's like, here, right? Here's Ed McMahon, and he's rapping. And this is, uh, let's just watch this, okay? It's freecreditreports.com. This is a much, uh, I don't know when this uh, actual commercial or whatever was released, but within the last, you know, eight years or whatever it's been, right? I don't, I don't know when exactly it was released, but it's, he's Ed McMahon, mind you, let's get some context here. Ed McMahon, who used to be the uh, sidekick for Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show, which The Tonight Show is literally one of the biggest um, late night shows of all time. Johnny Carson is an icon, okay? Ed McMahon was in your living room every single night during the week, okay? Now here's Ed McMahon, I don't know how many years later, and he's doing a commercial for freecreditreport.com. I guess the question we should first ask before even watching this is, why is a guy that earned millions and millions and millions of dollars at the Johnny Carson show, why is he hawking freecreditreport.com? Here's the first question. Now, before we watch this, look at the context of what is happening here in this video, okay? Now let's watch it. Shout out to my people. This is Ed McMahon rolling slow through the suburbs in an unmarked van. I ran the strip in the 80s, brought big fat checks to the ladies. When I showed up at their door, they would start screaming like crazy. Raked it in hand over fist, was on the VIP list. I was a verbal gunslinger, and my shots never missed. But now the bills have come due, and my credit score's whacked. So I'm hitting up the winners to get my checks back. Ed McMahon, Ed McMahon, remember I gave you that big check? I'd like to have that check back. If you, I, I'm having some stuff with help a lot. Just a little bit. Okay. So what do we see happening there? So Ed McMahon... And after earning millions and millions of dollars at, and being one of the, um, you know, literally once again, an icon in your living room, night after night, years and years, making millions and millions of dollars from The Tonight Show and Johnny Carson. Now, after all these years, he's working for creditreport.com and hawking, you know, a credit score rating sort of thing, right? But yeah, even he knows he delivered checks. Okay, so this is proof, right? And this is proof enough for most people. There's like, what are you going to tell me that this is, you know, you mean to tell me that, you know, he, he, he's, you know, you know, what's going on here? This, this is the big question. Okay, so let's walk through this and, and once again, give a completely commonsensical, rational explanation for what's going on. First off, 
What do you guys know about what we just watched a documentary last night and it was about Robin Williams, right? Comedian Robin Williams and how uh, he got famous uh, doing, you know, basically these crazy stand up back in the day. And then he got on Mork and Mindy and then that led to him doing bigger stand up and blah, 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 blah. And one of the things that they were saying, um, one of the things that they were saying was that uh, in the 70s, uh, 70s into the 80s there is that uh, alcohol, drug use and cocaine was rampant. You couldn't go anywhere where it wasn't. And most of these people, like once again, look at the old SNL videos and stuff like that. They are railed on cocaine. John Belushi died at 33 years old over because of drug overdose, right? Alcohol, cocaine, methamphetamines, all sorts of things were running around. A whole several decades in which basically people in Hollywood were railed on drugs. Okay. Now we're not going to blame this on necessarily on drug use, but what what what, what do we know about, um, this is somebody that made a comment here and says, um, so here Ed McMahon is in, two, in freecreditreport.com and on Roseanne Barr, he's like, see, even he knows that he brought checks, right? What's actually going on here, okay? So here's a here's a ex, uh, one. So the commercials of the more well-known sweepstakes, once again, Publishers Clearinghouse and the other one, right? Family, Publishers, whatever it's even called. See, I don't even, I just said it and I don't even remember what it is. So the commercials of the more well-known sweepstakes would have been seen in adverts handing out the big checks, while at the same time viewing commercials of the lesser-known sweepstakes with extremely well-known TV personality as its spokesperson. So here, in the same time where these two were, were running concurrently, what do you remember? Well, you remember the guy that was put into your head night after night after night after night. That's what you remember. So you conflated these two things, right? And reasonably, I mean, it makes sense. It's like, well, of course. I mean, I've, like I said, I, I just said the two and I couldn't even remember. Family, family publishers something? What is it? I just said it and I don't remember it. Anyway, so here you have him being beamed into your head night after night after night. And you conflated these two, right? And then we have him actually going handing out checks. Well, what's the explanation for this? Well... Ed McMahon was a raging alcoholic. Raging alcoholic. Ed McMahon is well known to be, was to be drunk, and there's even the clips of this and stuff like that. Drunk when he was the, like a lot of times when he was doing The Tonight Show. Okay? An absolute alcoholic, no question. So much so that his drinking led to financial woes. This guy who was a millionaire many, many times over, Spent so much money because of what? His drinking. Okay? Remember this. Now also remember this. Johnny Carson, also a huge alcoholic. Johnny Carson was well known uh, for his love of drink. In fact, he passed, he was such an alcoholic that he passed this on to his children. Where his children, this guy, his son Rick specifically, became an alcoholic. The two men's alcoholism once created a perfect storm aboard a cruise ship that almost resulted them into coming to place a father and son that were so hammed on, you know, that pork soda, hams, um, so hammed on alcohol that they almost came to blows, right? So throughout all of these years, they were seeking Hollywood. They were going into Hollywood and they were making shitloads of money while doing gargantuan amounts of drugs. So much so that Mr. Ed McMahon 
lost pretty much everything. And there's no question about it. Okay? And just look at him in this, look at this man in this credit report. Look at him again. Shout out to my people. This is Ed McMahon rolling slow through the suburbs in an un... See his face? It's all wrinkled and all that other stuff. That's the face of a raging, aging alcoholic. So now when the, this, the, the, the Mandela effect of people remembering the, the, what is it? The Publishers Clearing House and the Family Publishers. Once again, I don't even remember what it's called. American Family Publishers. People for years before even having questioned it at all had already conflated these things, two things in their head. They had already been like, well, uh, the Publishers Clearing House and then Ed McMahon, right? That's what, I mean, that's what I remember. That's what I remember. That's what I remember. Why does your brain remember it? Because once again, repetition, boom, 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 boom. Now, why did Ed McMahon go and see even he knew what he was doing? Ed McMahon, after he left The Tonight Show, what, what was he doing? Making zero money, not doing anything, drinking himself to death, and losing all of his money. Financial woes. So, now, this is before the internet. This is before anything like, once again, questioning any of this stuff came along. Roseanne Barr, you had, what once again, people had already had this conflated in their head. Now you had a group of writers in a room, and they're like, oh, oh, I got it. We'll have Ed McMahon come on, and we'll, just as we remember, just as we remember with the Publishers Clearinghouse, it was the Family Publishers, whatever it was. I don't remember. As they're writing, probably doing a bunch of cocaine themselves, there's that. As they're writing the script for Ed McMahon, we're like, oh, we'll get Ed McMahon to come in and hand those checks just like, you know, just like he used to do, as we remember him doing, falsely. So they're in a room and they're writing a script out. Now, when they called Ed McMahon to say like, hey, um, even though you're a raging, aging alcoholic and you've got crazy financial woes, we're going to have you come and do this thing where you're going to uh, bring a check to the door. Do you really think Ed McMahon who was suffering from alcoholism and financial problems was going to be like, well, guys, uh, I know that Roseanne, the show Roseanne was literally watched by millions and millions of people every single, uh, every, you know, every single night or week or whatever it was. And, um, you know, I'm going to make a whole shitload of money from this four second or whatever it was, this one minute of him being on national television. Do you really think the alcoholic financial woes Ed McMahon was going to come into the writers at Roseanne and be like, well, guys, actually, uh, that that didn't happen that way. Do you think he gave a shit? Do you think he gave a shit at all? No. He did. He's doing exactly what a good portion of people in Hollywood do. They'll suck a dick for a paycheck. They don't give a shit. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say. Put it in front of me. Now, once again, what about the people that worked at FreeCreditReport.com when they were conflating this stuff and writing... Shout out to my people. When they were conflating this stuff and and writing a little script for Ed McMahon, how much... By the way, how much do you think they paid Ed McMahon? Probably not that much. He probably got like 10 Gs for this or something like that. Here's a guy that was a multimillionaire many times over, one of the most famous sidekicks of all time, and now... He's hawking freecreditreport.com? Why? Because he's broke as a fucking joke. 
Do you really think he was going to go into freecreditreport.com and be like, well, guys, I just want to let you guys know that I didn't actually hand out checks or anything like that. And I just, I really don't feel like, you know, my integrity will allow me to do this commercial. He didn't give a shit. He went and got a bottle of gin after this. He didn't care at all. He's like, what am I going to do? Okay, cool. And the next thing, he left, free, you know, yeah. And by the way, this whole video is about what? When you look at the sub the, the context of the video, it's about Ed McMahon going door to door and asking for his money back because he's broke. <clears throat> Once again, absolutely rational, absolutely reasonable, commonsensical explanation for what's going on. But guess what? It doesn't matter that I just gave you that. Once, As I just showed, people are not going to, you know. They, they want the answer to be sexy. No, it's, a, it's a, this, this new timeline or something like that. Or alcoholism and people that go into Hollywood have zero integrity. You know how else I know that the Mandela effect is not just this is, this is not proof alone, of course. But how I know that the Mandela effect is horseshit. There's zero censorship on it. None. None. Go online right now and look up Mandela Effect. You'll get a litany, a smorgasbord of videos just thrusted at you. Ooh, rough point. <laughs> so do you really think that the alcoholic guy who was suffering from financial woes is going to come in there and be like, well, guys, I can't really do this because I didn't really want to hand out checks and or I didn't really hand out checks and things like that. Do you really think he gave a shit? No, he didn't. Zero censorship. What I want you to do is go type in Ed McMahon Mandela Effect into Google. Do you know how many videos are going to come up? Tons. Do it right now. Now I want you to go into the Google search and look up specifically Marty Leeds Flat Earth the Ultimate Litmus Test. Do you know what will not come up? <clears throat> Marty Leeds Flat Earth the Ultimate Litmus Test. Do you think the people that care, do you think the people that are running the world, they, they like when truth seekers go down these roads. They love it because you're just lost. You're dreaming of CERN and separate timelines and God's doing this and Satan, blah, 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 blah. They don't care. They don't care at all. Get lost. You know? Okay. So, oh, judge not list DB, not judge is actually what it is. Did the Lord, we're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer. Okay, so now, yeah, yeah, exactly. Zero censorship. Exactly. <laughs> so, okay. So now we're going to talk about the biblical stuff. Okay? Um, the one that uh, Mr. Stavely there actually caught me on was this one. Um, and this is the one, and I've, I've said this incorrectly too. It's Matthew 18, 20, right? And it says, uh, where two or three are gathered in, in my name, Right? And it's actually two, where it's two or more. That's what people remember. Two or more are gathered in his name. And I've said this incorrectly, right? Two or more are gathered in his name. It's actually two or three. And then people say, uh, that doesn't even make any sense, two or three. Okay. Before we, before we talk about any of that stuff, I want you to do this right now. Don't look anything up. Nobody. Do not look anything up. I want you guys to, to um, type in any verse from Matthew 18. 
forget Matthew 18, 20, any verse from the chapter of Matthew 18, anything, and I want you to do it verbatim. You know how many people are going to be? I mean, I guess we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, not that I can even trust you because obviously you could probably just go online in, the, in two seconds and then type something out. But if I was speaking to you, you know, face to face, how many people? Nobody. Nobody. Actually, it does, Bob Kulan. And I think I'm going to do, when I do, I'm not going to do that today because I'm going to cover a bunch of the other ones. Um. <clears throat> But uh, I, I think I'll actually do the chapter of Matthew 18 and then show you what's going on. It absolutely makes perfect sense, right? What's, oh, here's another question. 1820, everybody remembers it incorrectly. Okay, well, do you, have you ever read it in context to the rest of the chapter? What's 1819? Nobody, not a single person. So once again, you all collectively remember something incorrectly that you couldn't recite or remember in the first place. Really? Really? Okay. So the two or more thing, I honestly think, is just like the, the they or he thing the, in, in the, uh, what is it called? Field of dreams. Right? Once again, people remember something incorrectly. It's been said incorrectly. It's been repeated ad infinitum, ad infinitum, and that's what you remember. And then they go to the Bible and it doesn't say that. And you say, well, there must have been some timeline shift. Ter once again, terrible... And I'm not trying to come down on anybody here, but that's terrible thinking, okay? People tend to remember things totally incorrectly and then repeat those things. And I just showed you the Washano thing. You mean to tell me that it's Shawano? No, I absolutely remember it's Shano. No. Well, it is. I mean, yes, you've been saying Shano your entire life, and you probably may, there might have been people live in the town that are saying, as we're showing, Shano. But is it Shano? No, it's Shawano. Okay? has completely nothing to do with the Mandela effect. Once again, not even the Shawano and Shawano is not even a Mandela effect as far as I know. No one's even brought that up. And then I just gave you a completely rational explanation of what's going on. People don't want to hear that explanation. They don't want to hear it. So, once again, the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. This is uh, Isaiah eleven six, right? And this is actually, so everybody's like, no, it's the lion shall lay down with the lamb. And then I gave you, once again, just as my mom was saying this morning, well, why do you remember that? I don't know, because there's an old adage that's been around for you know, a long, long time. Hey, march in like a lion out with a lamb. Lion with a lamb, lion with a lamb, lion with a lamb. You also have in this verse, 11, uh, once again, Isaiah eleven six, where it says, and this is where we'll get into the biblical stuff here, okay? The, uh, this is Isaiah eleven six. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, so, by the way, people are like, I absolutely remember it was the lion shall lay down with the lamb. It doesn't even say lay down. It doesn't even say that. How many people here is like, how many people say, no, I absolutely remember it was the wolf or the lion shall lay down with the lamb. It doesn't even say that. Then what's the next line? And the leopard shall lie down with the kid. How many people, once again, ask anybody to recite Isaiah 11.6. Zero people are going to be able to do it. Nobody. Guarantee it. So then people will say, well, it was the wolf shall lie down with the lamb. It do, it's not even lie. It's dwell. Dwell means to live. The next line is, the leopard shall lie down with the kid. So what did your brain do? Just as we talked about in the beginning of this. It's the, you know, there's a bunch of different terms, uh, terminologies for this or, uh, you know, um, 
names for this sort of thing, but it's basically the serial position effect. It's where you'll remember the first and last of something or bits and pieces, and then you'll put it together. It doesn't say, it doesn't even say the, the lion shall lay down with the lamb. If anything, it would say the lion shall also dwell with the lamb. But everybody will even scream at me and say, no, it was the wolf, the lion shall lay down with the lamb. No, you didn't even get the first half of the sentence correct. You didn't even get the, the thing that you remember that you absolutely are going to tell me that you don't know what you're talking about. You're just deluding yourself. You didn't even get that correct. The, and then Isaiah 65, 25 even says, the wolf and the lamb shall feed together and the lion shall... So there's even other verses in which the lion... And then 1 Samuel 17, 34, and there came a lion and a bear and took out a lamb. So there's lots of other verses in... Or at least several other verses in the Bible in which lion and lamb are absolutely paired together. But what did your brain do? Well, it took something that you couldn't remember in the first place, put it together in something you could remember. Everybody remembers it that way. And then they swear up and down that there's been changes in the Bible. No. Go to any authorized King James Version of the Bible and it will say the wolf. Now, by the way, the lion laying down with the lamb doesn't even make sense in the context of this verse. The wolf, it's talking about how basically opposites, like a, essentially like a good and evil, or opposites are coming together in harmony and union. No longer fighting that sort of thing, right? The wolf shall also dwell with the lamb. Why is the wolf dwelling with the lamb? Well, because inside they're, you know, they, they come to you as sheep, but inside they're ravening wolves. What do wolves eat? Sheep. So what is it saying in the context of 11, uh, Isaiah 11, 6 there? It's saying, oh, there's harmony here. The wolf is now no longer fighting with the lamb. Oh, we're unifying opposites. We're combining them to get to, together. The leopard shall lay down with the kid. The kid, of course, kid in this sentence is... Um, you're mis misremembering 2 plus 2 equals 5? <laughs> it doesn't even make any sense, dude. <laughs> it doesn't even make fucking sense at all. Anyway, um, uh, once again, irregardless regardless of, of the Mandela effect, this is the piss-poor thinking that people do. And I just have to come out and say it. Okay, sorry. So, um, what the hell was I talking about now? The, the, the leopard shall lay down with the kid. What's a kid? A kid is a, a, is a baby goat. Well, why? Okay, well, number one, this is astrology. This is what this is. Those are all references to star study. So there's that. But And then the calf and the young lion. Well, why the calf? Well, because the lion was going to go eat the calf. So why do you remember the lamb and the lion? Well, you didn't even remember the first part of the sentence correctly. So there's that. And then also lion and lamb are in the same sentence. So what did your brain do? Just as we said, it took bits and pieces of what you remember and said, I absolutely remember it was the lamb and the lion. No, you don't. Once again, ask anytime somebody asks you this, ask them, recite anything from Isaiah from me. Anything. It's Isaiah's 60, Isaiah's 66 chapters. I'm pretty sure that's correct. I, I believe Isaiah is 66 chapters. Ask anybody to recite any verse from Isaiah. You know who's going to be able to do it? Nobody. Nobody. Lion shall lay down with the lamb. I know it. That's not what it says at all. It doesn't even say, forget about lion and lamb. It doesn't say lay down. Well, it does later on in the verse. <sighs> um, again, I say to you that this is Matthew 18, 19. 
Again, I say to you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them, my Father, which is heaven. And then this is actually what it says. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Okay. Actually, one of the things that this is discussing is geometry. But, um, and I, once again, I've gotten this incorrect. Okay. And I'm not gonna, I'm going to save this one for when we do Matthew, because I'm going to cover all of the other ones, like the Lord's Prayer and all these other ones that are verifiable. Once again, we're, you're, I just showed you lion and lamb and how it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Okay. So now lion and lamb, no, that I absolutely remember. That's a Mandela effect. And we're going to, now you've lumped in all these other things as an effect. Well, if you can just easily debunk this one and this one and this one, you no longer have an effect. What you have is a piss poor memory. And then you repeat things that you don't verify. We do this all the time as human beings. We do. So, and I've done this. I'm, I even made a joke of this. Uh, I Maybe it was like a couple live streams ago. I said it multiple times. Do you know how many times I've studied the chapter of John? New Testament, John. You know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Blah, 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 blah. And I, I, I've studied the hell out of that. And if you ask me what John 1, 3 is, I will butcher it every time. I'm a, you guys are here because I'm a biblical scholar, right? And if you ask me to recite, forget Mandela effect, forget lion lays down with the lamb, forget any of that stuff. Just ask me as a guy who studies the shit out of the Bible, recite John 1, 3 for me. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to butcher it. And I even made a joke about it. How many times I've read that thing and I still am like, wait, it's like, I, I literally can't even recall it right now. Yet I've studied the shit out of it. Okay, so the first thing is, is when you say, oh, well, um, there's, been a ch there's been a change in the Bible. Okay, which one? The faithful version, American King James, the American Standard Version, the Aramaic Plain English, Bury uh, the Berean uh, Literal Bible, the Berean Reader's Bible, the Berean Study Bible. Which Berean were you, were you reading from? The Christian Standard Bible. No, there was the Contemporary English Version. What about the English Revised Version or the English Standard Version or God's Words Translation or the Good News Translation? What about Holman Christian Standard or the Jubilee Bible or the King James Version or the King James 2000? Ooh, the 2000 is new. Now, now was shiny, you know, like the, K, the Purple Letter Edition, the, the New American standard, the New International Version, the New King James Version, the New Literal Translation, the New Living Translation, the Orthodox Jewish Bible. Which Bible do you remember? Which one? Do you know that verse after verse after verse in every single one of these Bibles is different? How many people went to an Orthodox church or they went to a Catholic church or they went to a Protestant church or they've and you're reading different Bibles and then you're saying, Oh, we remember something. You're, you're thinking you're remembering something that's singular, like a verse, and then you actually go to that singularity and you find out that it's different in the American King James Version and the Berean Literal Bible. And we're going to show, I'm going to show you this. Um, the Holman Christian Standard, the Good News Translation, the, the, a single verse, and we're going to even show you Genesis 1 1, is completely different in a bunch of these Bibles. So, which one do you remember? Which one did you read as a child? Which one did you study? So if, in other words, if I studied the hell out of the King James and you studied the New American Standard and you said, well, I remember the Genesis 1-1 was this. Well, maybe you did remember that correctly because you were, you were remembering from one Bible that actually says what you remember. But in another Bible, it doesn't say that. And I'm going to show you this right now. So one of the first ones that, and somebody got really mad at me about this, okay? Somebody got mad at me. This is why I'm doing this. Wineskins. 
Oh, it's it's always been wineskins. I mean, and no one pours new wine into the old wineskins. It's always been wineskins. You're going to tell me that it's it's not wineskins? No, it is wineskins. You're remembering that absolutely correct. Congratulations. Except if you read the King James Version. Pretty much every other one that I looked up, uh, no one puts new wine into old wineskins. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. And no one pours new wine. Was it pours or puts? Is that a Mandela effect? Or is it different Bible translations? So somebody got absolutely mad at me one time and was like, no, it's, bo- it's wineskins. And now it says bottles. No, it literally would take you one minute worth of research to show that it's different translations. One minute. You know how many people did that? Hardly anybody. Uh, KJV said it too. Wineskins? No. I have several different versions of the King James. And I looked this, by, by the way, I, I looked this up a long time ago too. Everyone says, everyone says bottles. Someone got mad at you? No, couldn't be. I know it happens all the time. That's because I. This is what I do. I come and burst people's bubbles, and they don't like their bubbles burst. I t- I take something that you want to believe is supernatural in things, and I say, no, actually, there's a completely rational explanation for it, and they don't like that because they like it sexy. Genesis one one. Somebody absolutely got mad at me with this. They 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 were like essentially cursing me out in a in a comment section. Oh wait, no. Uh... Okay, this is the Lord's Prayer. Let's talk about the Lord's Prayer. Then we'll get into Genesis 1-1. Sorry, I thought I was in the wrong place. So, Lord's Prayer, right? Um, Our Father who art in heaven, or is it which art in heaven? Our Father which art in heaven, or who art in heaven? Our Father who art in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Forgive us who trespasses and those who trespass against us. It absolutely said trespasses. I remember it. I went to church. I've been parents forced me to. We recited that again and again and again and again and again and again and again. Right? And then people say, and this was the big one that everybody had, was the Lord's Prayer. And this one I found was hilarious. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This was the big one for people. That it was like, oh, no, it's the, the Lord's Prayer is not what we remember. And I'm looking in the Bible. Okay, once again. Which Bible verse were you looking at, first and foremost? Before we even get about where the Lord's Prayer absolutely verifiably comes from, you can verify everything I'm saying today. Don't trust me. You can look it up yourself. You can do the research yourself. What I found out is people don't want to do that research. Okay, you remember the Lord's Prayer as you recited it in church, and then we went to the Bible, and it's not there as you remember it. Okay, well, as first I'll say is, which Bible verse did you use? Which Bible version did you use? And then I'll also say this, which version of the Lord's Prayer in that Bible version did you go to? Okay, so you remember it. Okay, so this is the uh, New International Version, and this is the, this is the Lord's Prayer from uh, Matthew 6, 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I thought it was thy name. Your kingdom come. I thought it was thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We'll talk about on earth and in earth, another another uh, one that people think is a Mandela effect. No, it's different Bible translations. And forgive us our debts. And also forgive our debtors. Oh, it says nothing about trespasses there. Literally nothing. Okay, well, New International Version, that's the one. This is the Bible. Uh, this is the Lord's Prayer from Matthew 6, 9. And then you go to the same Bible translation. And the Lord's Prayer is said again in, in uh, Luke. Luke, uh, I think it's 11, I want to say. Um, and it's not even the same in the same Bible. 
So forget about what you even remember and saying at church, which I'll give you, I'll show you actually where it comes from. And you can verify this 100%. Does not require any fantastical beliefs. You can, you can actually buy the books yourself, find where the Lord's Prayer comes from, and you can buy multiple different versions of that book. And you know what you will find? The exact same version of the Lord's Prayer and absolutely where it comes from. So here we have the Lord's Prayer in the same version of the Bible, and they're not even the same. This is the New International Version. This is the one in Matthew, and this is the one in Luke. Okay, let's go to the King James Version. Here's Matthew. After this manner, pray, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven. Wait, I thought it was who? Which art in heaven? Hallowed be thy name. I thought it was your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth. Oh, I thought it was on earth. Mandela effect. No. Go to, go to all the other translations of the Bible. Do you know what it'll say? On earth. King James, verifiably, you can look at multiple different printings of the King James, and it will say in earth. Verifiably. Give us this day our daily bread as we forgive our debts. doesn't say trespasses. Actually, it does, by the way. Now, it's not included in specifically the prayer that you remember, but it does say trespasses in the authorized King James Version. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So trespasses actually is in the Bible. Um, and people are like, well, it's not there. Which Bible version are you using? And then we'll actually show you where the Lord's Prayer comes from 100% verifiable. You don't have to believe anything. And he said unto them, when you pray, uh, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's different though. But it's different from this one. And hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in earth, so is, as in heaven, so in earth. Thy, king, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Well, that's different. Yeah. Same Bible translation. Different chapters giving you a different version of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, here's the international stand or the English Standard Version. I think is what this is called. It's completely different. And he said to them, "When ye pray, say this." Well, Jesus, that's not even close to the King James. <laughs> After this manner, therefore pray ye. And he said to them, "When you pray, say." <laughs> God awful versions of the Bible, by the way. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom. I thought it was thy name. Which one is it? Which one is it? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our, fa our Father, which art in heaven? Our Father, who art in heaven? Our Father in heaven? What's, what's going on? Oh my God, Mandela effect. Come on. There, this is even in a shit version of the translation of the Bible. And even there it says, if you give your trespasses. Here's the Berrien Study Bible. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. <clears throat> King James doesn't say on earth, it says in earth. So which is it? Mandela effect? Did they Did the devil come down and change on into in? There's the Berrien Study Bible once again when you pray. And so, um, once again, completely different. They're all different. Which one do you remember? Okay, well, there was one that you actually said in church that's, that's repeated. Okay, and this is why I said that we're doing this. Um, where is this? Why are we doing this? Um, Virginia there. Once again, I'm not ripping on you, Virginia. Much love. Glad you're here. Glad we're all learning. But she said this, and this is why I'm doing this, because she said it was always trespasses. Now they act like it was a special Catholic prayer. Well, Virginia Dare, it is, verifiably. 
It's not even a special Catholic. I mean, it's, it's, you know, geared towards Catholics. But I'll tell you and show you and where you can absolutely verify where the version that you remember of the Lord's Prayer comes from. And it's an extremely famous book. And it's been printed since the six, before the 1600s, as far as I understand. So it comes from this book called the Angli. It's it's called the Com the Book of Common Prayer. The Anglican. It's got a different a couple different titles, but it's the 1662 Book of Common Prayer. It's still the official prayer book of the Church of England, and it's a whole book of all these different prayers that that you say in church. Now, this is the problem. So. There's, especially in Catholicism, when you go and you look at the liturgy, there's specific things that they do. There's specific things that they say, and that liturgy has been written out in prayer books, has been written out, right? And so people look at this liturgy and the thing, and then they, they assume that the liturgy is word for word, verbatim as to what's in the Bible. And that's just not true at all. So here she was saying, now they say that it's this special Catholic prayer. Okay, the problem with this is, is... I, oh, oh, here it is. Is it this one? Here it is. There's the, there's the Book of the Common Prayer. Once again, you can buy it. You can download the PDF. And this is exactly what it says. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. How many people remember that? Correct? How many people remember that? It's because you're actually remembering correctly. That thing that you repeated time and time and time and time and time and time again when you went to church and were like, you know, trying to hold in that fart and everything. Um, <laughs> that, there it is. And it's, in the, and it's in a book that's been printed and you can buy it. You can download the PDF. Don't trust me. So people, once again, what did they, they, what did they do? They assumed that the Lord's Prayer comes word for word verbatim from the Bible. Then I say, well, which Bible translation? And then even further, even if you all adopt one Bible translation, which one, Luke or Matthew? So this is what I'm saying. Once again, I'm not trying to come down on anybody or anything like that, but absolutely piss poor, bottom of the barrel, rot gut research being done here. Did you know that when I when I heard this one, I was like, "Oh, geez, okay." I have to. I, I had to comment on the Alphabetic video because I'm like, "Look, this is verifiable, and this needs to be cleared up." Do you know how much? Well, I want you to do this right now. Go type in Lord's Prayer in Google, and click on the first link. It'll say exactly this, and it'll even. By the way, it'll even say. I thought I had the graphic here. Is it here? Oh yeah, right here. This is the first thing that'll come up. <clears throat> our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth, not on earth. So did they spell it incorrectly? What's going on, right? Or there's multiple different versions. Okay? And then it even says at the bottom, tank, taken from the, this is the first thing that comes up in the Google search. Okay? You can go and click on it. Anglican Book of Common Prayer, where it comes from. And click here, and even says below it, click here for the version who says, Our Father who art in heaven. Well, which is it? Is it who or art? Well, once again, you know, people remember it differently. It's said differently in different churches, blah, 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 blah. And then you think you're all remembering a singularity. You're not. You're not at all. And that's verifiable. 
So the first thing that comes up in Google will lead you to exactly where it comes from. You could go buy the book yourself, download the PDF, verify everything I just said. And do you know how many people immediately said, oh, the Lord's Prayer is not how I remember it in the Bible, therefore Mandela Effect. You see the problem what's going on here? You see the problem? Okay. Another one that's really interesting is people like, oh, do unto others. Um, so this is what Brian Stavely was saying on the Alpha Vedic show. He was saying, judge not list, this is literally a quote. Judge not lest ye be not judge. It's gone from nearly every version besides this one obscure Tyndale version. Holy schmoly, dude. No. Matthew 7, 1 says, and literally pretty, I mean, of course, it's different in every Bible translation, but it says, Matthew 7, 1, read it. Uh, judge not lest ye be not judged, is what it says. And there was people in this comment section that were saying, oh, that, that, you know, that's not in the Bible. Yes, it is in the Bible. You can verify it. Go ahead, right now. Judge not, let's be not judged. Now, most people are saying, people say, well, the golden rule was in the Bible and it's do unto others as ye have done to you. And then they go to look that up in the Bible and then it's not there. Okay, well, my, my say, so, you know, so what verse, and my, my response was, what verse ever said, do unto others as you'd have done to you? You, this is a, the golden rule, right? As everybody knows, we just covered it last live stream. The golden rule is expressed in dozens of ways, in dozens of traditions, and religions, and is phrased in numerous different ways in the Bible. And then once again, it's phrased in numerous different uh, ways in the Bible, and then you also have numerous different Bible translations. So which one are you remembering? So, the golden rule is expressed in dozens of ways, in dozens of different traditions and religions, and is phrased in numerous different ways in the Bible. So people assumed that this particular phrasing of do unto others as you'd have done to you, was in the Bible. They go to look in the Bible, it's not there, and therefore, Mandela Effect. And my response was, seriously? Seriously? Because it sounds very biblical. Do unto others as you'd have done to you, right? That's obviously in the Bible. No. No, maybe it's in, I, I don't know, I didn't even look this up. Maybe there's a newer translation where it actually says that or something, I don't know. But if you actually go into the uh, Matthew 7, 1, where it's like most famous anyway, it's judge not lest he be not judged. It actually equals 111, by the way, in English commentary. So that's neither hither nor thither. So people assume judge not lest he be not judged is in the Bible. It's not there. And so therefore Mandela effect. Okay, I'm sorry. That's just God awful research. Terrible, terrible, Okay. Um, now it's, it's fine that, you know, uh, if everybody has done awful research in their day, me included, whole bunch of it, right? Um, and it's not bad. It's not, there's nothing wrong with, you know, doing, you know, coming to a conclusion that might be faulty or doing bad research, but it is wrong if you don't go and actually clarify it. If you don't go and actually admit that, okay, well, this was incorrect and my, my thinking on this was incorrect and I can prove that this was incorrect. And this is what you see with Mandela effect people. They just run with this shit like crazy. That they're all Mandela effects. Provably not. Provably not. Okay. So, um, here's a... Uh, yeah. It even says here, this is a, this is a random website or whatever, but basically, there are se it even says here, there are several different versions of our Father Prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Though the most popular is the Catholic version. Okay? And so, yes, you're remembering it correctly. You set, you recited it correctly, yes. Then you went to the Bible and assumed it was in there, it's not in there, and then Mandela effect. Okay, then this is the other one that people got really angry with me about, right? Genesis 1-1, it always said heavens and the earth. 
in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, you're right. It did. Probably from the Bible version that you're reading, I'm sure just like a lot of these to, you know, churches, they were reading from the Good News Translation or, you know, New American Standard Bible is, of course, a famous one, New International Version, New Living Translation, English Standard Version. Those are all really popular Bibles in, in a lot of these churches. In fact, I have, uh, my great aunt was a nun and she actually had, I think it was, I think it's the New International Version is what I have. And so I, I might be the good news translation. I'll have to look it up. But uh, it's, you know, it was the Bible that she studied as a nun in a nunnery, right? A covenant, co convent, convent. Um, and it's a terrible Bible translation. So. Um, but it's different than what's in the New English, you know, in the, the King James Version. So here's the New International Version. In the beginning, God created the heavens. New, New Living Translation. In the beginning, God created the heavens. English Standard Version. God created the heavens. Berry and Study Bible. God created the heavens. King James Bible. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So I had people screaming at me. It was like, I know it said heavens. It was plural. You're probably right. But does that mean it's a Mandela effect? No. But people swore up and down that that was true, that that's a Mandela effect. And I'll just say this. You didn't do one minute worth of research. Not one. You just ran with something that was sexy. Supernatural. Uh, heavens, heavens. Ooh, Brenton Septuagint translation actually gives uh, uh, made, not created. I absolutely, it said created, and now it says made. Which one were you, which one were you reading? Heavens, 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 heavens. And so, uh, so there, there you go. Um, you know, wineskins, lion lamb, heaven's heaven, Lord's prayer. All of these things that people swear up and down biblically are Mandela effects are provably not. Provably. And you don't have to go to BibleHub.com if somebody's just saying, well, what do you remember? <laughs> okay, let's talk about memory before we even talk about any of that. Okay? Um, so... All right. You're not sexy to God, trust me. Was I saying that at all? I don't think so. So there's that. Anyway, uh, hopefully we all learned something today. And so uh, the reason I did this video is because um, you know, I, uh, I, I wanted a record of this, okay? So that if somebody comes along and is like, well, what about the Mandela effect and stuff like this? I'm like, okay, debunk all of this. You mean to tell me all these things in the Bible are Mandela affected and you didn't do one minute worth of research to verify any of it? And you're going to come to this channel and say that, oh, you don't know what you're talking about when it comes to the Bible? If that's your conclusion, you probably shouldn't be here. Because if you really want to study the Bible and you really want to get to the core of what that document is and really understand what it's all about, you're going to need way better discernment and way better critical thinking skills than that shit Mandela effect. Okay? That's why it's absolutely important that we did this today. Okay? Like I said, one minute worth of research. One minute. And you don't even have to go to Bible Hub or whatever. You can go and actually look at the different translations of the Bible. And you're going to see it's not a Mandela effect. Okay? All right. 
so there's that. So I'm glad we did that so we can actually move forward because like I said, last time I opened up with the Lord's Prayer and I just read it as, you know, as it was in, you know, once again, not as you remember it, not from the Anglican Book of Prayer. I even said, this is the version from Matthew 6, 9. And everybody immediately was like, Mandela Effect. <laughs> okay, I don't know, you could have just Googled it, man, bro. You know, verified it for yourself. But like I said, this is what I've learned over the years of dealing with the truth community. The truth community is that, I hate to say it, and, and, you know, and I've said this before, once again, irrespective or regardless of the Mandela effect, when it really comes to trying to get to the bottom of re these mysteries, a lot of times the, the amount of laziness is, is astounding. It's astounding. So... Why are you crying? And what I'm saying about the Bible is it's absolutely true. It's it, you. First off, the other thing I want to say before I go here is that I've, I've for years and years and years and years and years, I've been saying this. I even wrote about it in the new book, Lord Jesus Christ. There's a chapter at the end. Why the authorized King James Version is a superior, is the really the only version of the Bible that you should be studying and reading. Now, once again, regardless of any Mandela effect stuff, I just went to the different, because when I started, you know, being like, okay, let's start picking apart the Bible, right? The first thing I had to do was like, well, which version, right? Then I just used my, once again, critical thinking skills and years of studying classical works of literature and things like that, being able to absorb guys like James Joyce, which most people can't even read. Um, you know, I first thing I did is like, okay, well, let's just do a cross, the cross analysis of Bible translations and see which one's actually good, you know? And these other versions are God-freaking-awful, man. God-awful. And so, you know, and for varying reasons, partially of what I just showed you, um, I'll, I'll show you why the King James Version is superior and why it's a singular heaven in Genesis 1-1 when we do Genesis 1-1 to 1-2 because it's brilliant. It's brilliant. The reason that they have a singular heaven there, okay? So... Once again, before I got into any of this stuff, the first thing I did is I just looked at all these different Bible translations. I was like, well, Jesus, none of these, there's like great, like vast, like cavernous differences between even, you know, the first three lines. One of the Bible versions that I saw, I said this to Jennifer the other day, it was, uh, I forget what version it is, but it says, it literally says, it doesn't say in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. It says in the beginning God made the universe. It's like, holy shit. Talk about butchering you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the primer, the, the, the first line of the Bible is completely butchered in some of these Bible translations that people are absorbing and reading from. It's like, whoa, that's a mistake right then and there. So, and I'll just, one more thing I'll say about this. It's why it's so important to understand or to read the King James Version or this, this you know, the, um, and study from that. Because it's kept all the math, it's kept the patterns, it's kept the, the, the high language, it's kept all of that stuff intact where these other Bible versions have butchered it completely. Um, let me give you a metaphor. Let me give you a metaphor. You guys all know the song Money, right? Which, by the way, let me before I go on to money, um, Queen, let me say this about Queen. I don't know if I mentioned this. The song We Are the Champions is an iconic freaking rock anthem, right? It's a rock anthem. This goes to show you how brilliant Queen are. Do you know what time signature, it's time signature, We Are the Champions is in? It's in a waltz. 
It's in 3-4 time. We are the champions, my friend. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. That's a waltz. Queen are so brilliant with their songwriting abilities that they made one of the greatest rock anthems of all time that people sing in stadiums, and they made it to the tune of a waltz. That's how brilliant those guys were, musically. Name me one ACDC song that's not in 4-4 four, four time. Okay, you know, say, you know there, there might be one or two or something like that. But in general, rock and roll is one, two, three, four, right? Brilliant. Queen were brilliant. Um, what was I going to say? An example of why you should read the authorized King James Version as opposed to these other Bible translations. Because these other Bible translations absolutely butcher that original language. It would be like messing with the works of Shakespeare or something like that. Like, we're going to simplify Shakespeare so it makes it more palatable and easy to read. No, you're not supposed to do that at all. It would be like taking the song uh, Money, right? You guys know the song Money by um, Pink Floyd? No. Uh, it's it's written in a really interesting time signature in 7-8, right? So it's... Do, 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 boom, 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 doom, 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 doom. One, two, three, four. One, two, three. One, two, three, four. One, two, three. One, two. It's in seven, eight. It's a rock song. Once again, shows how brilliant Pink Floyd were too. A rock song in seven, eight. It's a really odd time signature, but every it's such a groove. Messing with Bible translations, as awful as all these other Bible translations are, is like going to the song Money and trying to force fit a 7-8 time signature into a 4-4 time signature. So instead of completely messes with the flow, completely messes with the riff, completely messes with the feel, everything. This is exactly what you have going on with all these other Bible translations. So, okay, I've spoken way too much. Yeah, just kick him out. He doesn't. Yeah, Sandro there. He, he doesn't care. He wants it sexy. He doesn't like. He doesn't like these explanations. He remembers things. So yeah, just, just get him out of here. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Um, I hope we all learned something today. I hope you learned about how your brain works. I hope you learned that literally ninety-five percent of the Mandela effects that everybody's claiming are Mandela effects are provable, uh, uh, provable nonsense. Within, ba you know, doing some basic research basic critical thinking skills. I hope you learned about, you know, once again, which Bible translation to use, how your brain works, you know, all these sorts of things. Once again, everybody's scared of masonry. Everybody's scared of all those, those, those damn masons. And you know what masonry will do if you take it seriously? Um, where are we? Uh, it'll, it'll help you with shit like this. It'll help you, it'll, it'll help you understand, you know, how your brain works. Um, or we could just drum it up to, ah, oh, this is all devil worship. These are all spells. This is all demonic spells that they say to the cast. Of, yeah. Occam's razor. Okay. Did we all learn something? Yeah. So I'm doing this because I basically never want to talk about the Mandela effect again, because it's just, you know, once again, not, there's nothing wrong with, uh, and I'll get out of here. I'm rambling now. There's nothing wrong with analyzing these things or considering them or walking through them step by step and be like, oh, let's talk about all them, you know, just as Alpha Vedic did. It's actually really responsible to do that, okay? 
but it's absolutely irresponsible to take all of that, believe it on the face, not do any research, and then go and spread it as if it's absolute fact and truth, and then if you don't agree with it, you're an idiot. Those aren't truth seekers, people. Those aren't truth seekers, okay? All right, way too long of a live stream. Uh, buried for good, thankfully. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I know. It's just so. Anyway, all right. That's going to do it for me, guys. Thank you so much. We're going to do, I think, since I was going to do this this Sunday, but because we're stuck down in Wisconsin or in, down south right now, um, I think I'm going to have to get a live stream together for Sunday real quick, Black. So that'll be fun. But I think we're going to do how the cipher is encoded in Jesus' name. I think that's what we'll do. But... You know, every time I say that we're going to do something, then we do something else. So, But I promise we will get to all of these things. We're going to talk about Genesis 1-1 into 1-2. We're going to do the math on it. We're going to do the symbolism on it. We're going to define all the terms and what they mean. Uh, we're going to get into the Lord God again and explain why, you know, it's God, 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 God in the first verse or first chapter. And then all of a sudden we get the Lord God and what that means directly related to um, the King James Version uh, of, of this and all that. So lots of stuff coming up. Also going to do Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel is something that we absolutely need to go through at some point, so that's that's coming up. Um, and I want to I want to continue on with Mark seven and all that sort of stuff. So, all right, uh, if you guys get a chance, stop on over to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ and become a member. You can become a member for five bucks a month, fourteen quarter liter, fifty four quarter liter. It's a monthly tithing. A tithing. I always say that incorrectly. My lord, it must be a Mandela effect. Was there an L in there? Just kidding. Uh, monthly tithing. Uh, if you want to join. Um, you know, or just support support what we're doing here. Support actual truth seeking. That's what we're doing. That's what you're doing. Uh, five bucks a month, fourteen quarterly, fifty four for the year. I keep it nice and cheap because I know people are, you know, they're financially struggling, just like Ed McMahon. <laughs> the jokes are just flowing today, and they're terrible. Uh, and so, if you want to support, that's great. And there's books, podcasts, documentaries, music, all that sort of, all all sorts of goodies there. Uh, the whole entire Marty Lee's Mathematical Radio Hour podcast is on there, and. Um, uh, uh, yeah, so that's gonna, that's gonna do it. All right, guys, as always, I will see you this Sunday, nine o'clock Central Standard Time in my car again. Okay, that's gonna do it. As always, many blessings and much love to all.